Do you want to light a candle? Do you want it to smell real good? Oh, it's a fucking candle. I'll light the goddamn thing. Right there. <laughs> I feel like it's this right is there. Andy's like weak attempt at ending. That is, is that like an OCD thing? <laughs> you must light the candle. <laughs> light the goddamn no, candle. No, I just wanted to look good and smell good in here. Give me, the, give me evil me. voice again. Light the goddamn candle so we can start the show. Kind of sound like the demons at Night of the Demons. There it is. Oh, yeah. I could talk in... Oh, is that the same thing as the, oh, yeah. Boom, boom. This is why it's like, this is why we don't get, no, we get shit get done because they're like, fuck it with Andy's like vocal bullshit. Yeah. Okay. We've been watching Cars music videos for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Not complaining, just stating. All right. <coughs> 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 There we go. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. God damn it. Shut the fuck up. Okay. Okay. All right. Remember when we recorded podcasts? I'm good. Silver bullet. Hello and welcome to episode 82 of the Destroy the Brain podcast. I'm Andy Treffenbach. Jeremy Jones. And with us today is friend, filmmaker, lover, Douglas Wicker. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. Why were you smiling? Did you not want anybody to know about our relationship? Oh, every time I look at you, my eyes light up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> True love. Jeremy, too. There's just not a chance we're getting out of this place with your clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were talking about a human purse earlier, so. <laughs> you know. Anyway, uh, yeah, we talk about horror movies and whatnot. And uh, follow us on Twitter at DTB Horror on Instagram at destroy the brain and uh yeah facebook facebook.com slash destroy the brain does anybody use facebook We're, anymore mm, there's there's people so, I, no. I think that I start to write it off and then I, I had it was it was gone for a year and a half I wasn't yeah, didn't have yeah. it yeah. and then I had to create a new one because some people just don't know how to use anything else yeah. no. We also have a Discord. You can join that at discord.destroythebrain.com. We post a whole bunch of fun stuff. What are we doing today? Well, we're talking to Doug Wicker. If you're not familiar with Doug Wicker, uh, and you've been to Late Night Grindhouse and maybe saw an Evil Dead intro, Evil Dead-esque intro, I guess I should say, that's Doug. Doug directed it. It's, uh... What? You threw that together, like... In 48 hours or something, right? Yeah, it's pretty quick. Like maybe a week. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah, it's like the hardest part was finding a shirt that was even kind of ash-like, right. you know? And then we ended up, uh, like, lost footage on that. Like, we got back, and we had the first, uh, I don't know, like, 80% of the footage, mm-hmm. so we had to switch cards. And I guess, like, that card failed, and <sighs> we got back, started offloading the footage and going through, like, all the dailies for everything we shot and found that, like, the most important shit where he's, like, getting splattered with blood and, like, geysering and screaming and chainsawing, all gone. So we had to come back and reshoot it, like, two weeks later. And we had to rebuy a shirt. And that was, like, a thrift store (laughs) shirt. Mm. So it was even harder to be like, oh, shit, like, how do you match? You can't just go and, like, buy another one from, like, Target or whatever. You know, it's like... like, So we're just like, okay, hopefully it matches. And, you know, it's funny that playing played on, what, like, a 40-foot screen for how long? And nobody ever watched and, like, noticed the buttons change? That's the only thing that... No, nobody notices that that shit. Yeah. We'll talk about it. We'll talk Um, about it. Oh, yeah. There's some big ones. (laughs) Other late-night grindhouse 
peeps might know Doug from when he was oh, our yeah. prom photographer for yeah, Carrie back yeah. in that April was, 2017. That yes. And I'm pretty certain that five years later, Jeremy still uses that photo as his profile <laughs> picture. <laughs> Off and on, it's a good one. Yeah, There are pictures of me and him that are non-existent. I was trying to find some of them on the Facebook page, and I don't see them. Did you take like them from down? prom? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Jesus, oh God, but there's picture because hard drives, man. No, I know. Andy and I did Dumb and Dumber tuxedo shirts the first yeah. night. Yeah, I never saw pictures of it. I don't know if they were really bad. But did, did we? Did we do photos both nights? Yeah, yeah, we did. No shit. So you must have sent them. Well, I say I uploaded yeah. everything. I know. No, yeah. it's we're not here to get to the bottom of that today. <laughs> but I just wanted you know, listeners, welcome back to the Story of the <laughs> Brain podcast. The, we have the, a mystery the, for you. Five year old prom wrap up. Yeah. Hey, and guess what? Everybody still talks over each other. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. We'll yeah, always be here for yeah, you. We'll have to find it. We'll have to. I'll look for it. Like <laughs> next next time I get around to getting into that drive, I'll. Some see. things never go out of style. It's, yeah been five years i've shot so much i have no idea yeah. like it's just like okay i'll have to dig around yeah. doug also recently made a film called what happened to the others oh, i really hoped you fucked the name up no <laughs> why because it would just be funny if you did because like, no i did it like a dramatic pause there <laughs> what happened what happened to, to the i don't give a fuck <laughs> Uh, oh my That's god. That's not what it's called. You that, wouldn't get very far in One of my favorite bad that. reviews somebody left on it was uh it was of course on Letterbox it doesn't count. But they said wow. they said uh what happened to the others? I don't care what happened to the others. <laughs> Ooh, got him. <laughs> it is like there's few moments in my life where I feel like pride, like where I have a reach. I'm like, oh, my movie's name got used against me in a review. <laughs> like, All right, so, filmmakers. Yeah. so find that review on Letterboxd, and I need 420 people to give it a like, and I need about 69 comments on it. Okay. Oh, yeah. so, <laughs> where'd you get those numbers from? Uh, I hanging out with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> but recently, uh, what happened to the others played at Chattanooga? Nuga Film Festival. See, I fucked up their name. There you go. See, there it is. that's how loyal I yeah. am to you. Um, hopefully, some other festivals will pick it up. Hint, hint, please. It's the Destroy the Brain Film Festival. Yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. Well, I thought about it, but I think uh, if we're doing 13 hour marathons, yeah, I, I that, think that's, that's enough. A much better, yeah, that's I feel enough. Like that's a much better use of your time. <laughs> Next year, we might have less movies and I might put more short films and stuff, though. I think that could be really cool. That could be cool, yeah. If, like you say, you cut one feature and replace it yeah. with like a two to three, yeah, yeah curated films that run with them. We'll see. So, we're gonna kind of revert back to our older format where we talk about films that you know we really dig uh that we watched recently and i'm kind of buying time for doug as he thinks about two oh, movies I, oh I, you I got it i got my okay, letterbox okay. pulled up i got that pulled up all right so we're gonna talk so we're gonna go ahead and talk about uh two films that we recently watched uh this is the what old segment of watching? what we've been watching so jeremy what have you watched uh this past sunday i saw the 4k restoration of lost highway at Webster <laughs> University. Yes. And it was my first time viewing. Oh, really? Yes. I wow. have not seen it. Um, at all. At all. I've So, back when Mulholland Drive came out, I watched it in college. Somebody had burned it onto a, you know, DivX format onto like a CD. 
burned CD. Yes. And it was, it had, uh, it kept skipping Skipping. and it kept going back 20 minutes. But Uh, then there's also like (laughs) things in the film that happen similar to that. Lynch is weird. And I was like, my God, what is, and then we figure out what's going on. It's like, this is like the third time we've seen this. And we're like, is anything? Cha- was it everybody's first time watching it? Yes, this so was, it was kind of a discovery for everybody. Yeah, we're, we're like, right. that's so cool. It, it was just one of those like, okay. <laughs> so it took probably like t- three hours to watch that movie. <laughs> Did you just end up skipping to the next chapter? Yeah, yeah. Did that fix it? <laughs> we just like fast forward. Yeah, and like it was that's fine. Weird. That's fucking um, weird. Yeah, oh, that's funny. But it's also, I really like his work, but it's not something I just visit a lot and yeah. it's a certain type of headspace to go into it but um i kind of knew about this whole was it kino who put it out yeah initially well, on blu-ray kino put it out and then yeah criterion is yeah behind criterion. The restoration. yeah 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 Janus I, films oh i saw the janus films logo i know yeah. how could you not <laughs> yeah um i really enjoyed it uh i'm still like what you know, in terms of oh, like, you saw- <laughs> in terms of shit that happens in it. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Um, it is probably his most accessible work, other than like Twin Peaks. Interesting. I think. Yeah. I mean, maybe Wild at Heart, mm-hmm. or I mean, if you want to get real fucking weird, The Straight Story. Like that's a great, that's a great movie. I haven't that's seen probably that. his most accessible. Yeah. But a lot of people don't realize David Lynch directed it because huh. it's not within the Lynchian confines, yes. right? Like wouldn't do it be more Yeah. Straight. I think that's probably hell half the time I forget he made that. Yeah. 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 Um but very much enjoyed it. Would gonna absolutely revisit it. Like, I haven't soon. seen it since like when it came out, I think, on VHS. Oh man. Or maybe D V D. Maybe I watched it on D V D. Doug, have you seen it? You seen Jeremy, it? I was going to tell you that I also have never seen oh, it. Wait. Oh, wait. Oh, okay. I find his Glad movies kind of hard to find, to be honest. Like, as far as just, like, casually coming on them, like, uh, back in the blockbuster days. Or yeah. Whatever, it's like, right. you might have one or two, but you're not likely to find his entire the filmography. And I think it was burn through it. streaming somewhat recently on something. <laughs> like, I don't know if it was Prime. I don't It wasn't Netflix, obviously. I would not watch. A, I would watch a lot of movies <laughs> yeah, on Tubi. I don't know if I'd watch Lynch. I yeah, watched no. a lot more of his stuff as a kid than I have as an adult. So, like, of course, like Dune, Eraserhead. Yeah. Uh, he did Elephant Man too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That uh, Twin Peaks. Um, that was like in his heyday when I was like mm-hmm. kind of old enough to be like, what the what is this? You know. Also, you know, remember watching that and then watching Northern Exposure. Right? <laughs> 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 so, like, yeah. So you know, I don't know people out there who know. You know. Yeah, funny story. I don't know if I told you guys this, but Nikki and I have been batting around the idea of a separate podcast, but possibly a YouTube show called mm. Pick Your David, and we would mm. just it would pick either David Lynch or David Cronenberg, and we work up the filmography. I'd only okay. I'd only okay. let you do that if I can come on and crash it with a different David once in a while. <laughs> yeah, like you just throw a like, David in there. Just for just yeah, just a different David. Throw it in there. Oh my might god, might be a good movie, might be a bad yeah, movie. We shouldn't ho- might be a great movie. You know what? We shouldn't host this. We should find two Davids to cover. It. <laughs> <sighs> It'd have to be like Boomers of Gen X because that's what all the Daves are. And you could call it David on David or Davids oh. on Davids on Davids. Yeah, Davids squared. Okay. Yeah, I feel like it's a very tangent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
All right, so Lost Highway, which hopefully we'll be getting a 4K release through Criterion. Yeah, looked hopefully fantastic. Later this year? Um, there's a scene in that movie, and again, maybe it's because it's not accessible that I feel like would make a perfect like meme format. Oh, there's when a couple he gets of them. the third tape, yeah, and starts reacting to it. I yep. was like, you could put fucking anything on like that yep. TV. Yeah. So. Let's talk. Yeah, but like there's some really creepy scenes in that oh, movie. Absolutely. And I think a lot. Uh, you, know, it's funny. I, would I still call it? I wouldn't call it a horror movie. But much like you know, Twin Peaks, there are definitely horror scenes in the movie, or scenes that cause horror. In well, the movie. and then so okay. Actually, I do want to mention because there were names that popped up in this. I was like, what? What? Richard Pryor. Oh yeah, yeah. Which was his last role before his uh, death? I had no idea. I didn't yeah. know. Um, he's got a very he's got a small role as like one of the characters' employers. He follows that long line of guys like when comedians do like straight lay stuff that you're like, damn, that could be so good. Yeah, and you know whenever he's he would turn up in something and play like a straight character, not just, in it you know. for very long. Uh, Gary Busey. Yeah, is it? And which he which, doesn't have a lot of, of dialogue. Busey no, he's have. great. Like. He delivers. He brings like he's like my next one, the champion. Like you know, for years I was always like, listen, when Cage is great, when he's good, he's great. Dude, have you seen Eye of the Tiger? No. Oh, dude, so fucking good. I got a poster. Yeah, I love that Um, movie. And then Robert Blake casting as you know interesting man who then of course later killed his wife for real. For real. Oh shit. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It's like it's kind of wild. Wild fortuitous casting, yeah. But yeah, um, no, I, I've been meaning to revisit it, and it's funny because like I still have the CD. That's how I got into Lynch. Was pretty much Lost Highway, other than yeah. Twin Peaks, right? Yeah. Like I grew up on Twin Peaks. That was my nine-year-old birthday was when that fucking show aired, uh, or debuted, I should say. Um, but. I think Lost Highway may have been the first or second movie that I watched where it hit at a time when I'm I'm curious about movies and movie making and stuff like that. So I took it pretty seriously. Yeah. And I was like, man, dude, this is kind of creepy. This is a creepy concept, but like the whole videotape portion of it, I don't want to spoil anything for Doug, so I'm being careful. But the videotape portion of it, would be repeated in like Michael Haneke's uh, cachet. Yeah. Uh, it, but that's the whole movie of cachet. And this is just a little blip in Lost Highway. That's what I love about it because he doesn't highlight these like it's a horror moment. It's a movie f- or it's a scene from a horror film. Yeah. I'm convinced of that. But it's as a whole on Lost Highway, it's not a horror film. <laughs> It's just this one scene or a couple of scenes. There's a couple scenes. So, but it's uh like when you break down logically what's happening, you're just like, oh fuck, that is creepy as shit. So anyway, tangent, what you know about? Which is what we do here. No, that's yeah, what I we felt do. Like you're on topic. You were yeah. tangent. You were definitely in the pocket. <laughs> yes, about very it. much enjoyed it. Very, yeah, very pocket. Not like I was surprised by it, but just very much. Cool. All right, Doug, what do you got? Uh, let's see. <clears throat> I revisited Pumpkinhead last week. Oh, huh. Uh, Interesting. Huh. Yeah. 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 Huh. So weird. Huh. So weird. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I it's a seminal film for me. I watched it a lot as a kid. Watched it a lot as an adult. 
I feel like, uh, you know, lot to talk about on that, but also I feel like most people have seen it in this crowd. You know what's funny is I, I honestly think it's still underseen. Like, yeah, uh, we, for sure. Yeah. I've talked to people at Grindhouse about, like, October movies. Like, yeah. what mm-hmm. do I want to watch come fall time, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Pumpkinhead is usually in there. Like, I have to, if I don't watch it every year, it's every couple of years that mm-hmm. I watch it. Now, saying that, I don't think we've watched it uh, in 2020 or 2020 or 2021. So it's due. Yeah. So I'll yeah. probably watch it soon. Yeah. It, uh, something I mean, it's definitely look. like a movie where it's like maybe perfect 80 minute film. Yeah. Like, it's like yeah. one of those where you're just like, I want to watch something, but I don't want to get into a huge investment. You know? Right. You don't have to pay super close attention. It's a pretty linear story. It doesn't really fuck with your head or anything. And there's literally no subtext, like subtext to the movie. It's like, no, straight, no. it's but, just straight up. But you there's get what so you get. much folklore in yes. it. Yes. And that's yep. what I love about it. I think that's what makes it really effective. Absolutely. Other than, uh, you know, the creature design is great. It's honestly, yeah. I mean, like, it's the two hander of the creature design being honestly just like inspiring it's one of those Mm -hmm. like i think stan winston was one of those guys that understood the power of like the silhouette of a creature yeah and like used it really really well so like every design he did you'll notice that there's like usually a shot that's backlit and like they're silhouetted so it's like you think of like aliens you think of that jurassic park there's Uh many moments where like the key creature effect is like left in a silhouette where you're just like left with this remarkable outstanding like piece but Pumpkinhead's definitely in the case of that. It's like such an amazing monster. And when they f- do give you the two shots or the wider scoped shots showing off the full creature, and it's like nine feet tall, mm. and yeah, has you know those rattles and like all this atmosphere just oozing in every frame. There's like constantly leaves kicking up and wind and just this gnarly force of nature that I've always really appreciated about it. Like I feel like they do such a good job of translating that. Lance Henriksen being the other hand of that conversation because like I feel like Lance is one of those dudes that just never gives a bad performance. Like I. Mm. Mm-mm. I've pound for pound, like, you know, fanboyed for that dude for years, even if the movies are not good. And he does a fair bit of those, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, you got to make money. <laughs> yeah. He, well, <laughs> I heard he wants to call them alimony movies. Gotta eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you know, I get it. But he's like, he was, there's that period of time, especially in the like late 70s, 80s, where he was like a director's actor. Like, there's right. so many of these, like, James Cameron's, you know, and Stan Winston's, all these guys who were like posturing to make this dude an A lister and like really wanted that for him. And I just don't know, like, he never really broke through because he's just so good in a character role. It's like, yeah. you know. Yeah. So they gave him this as a feature opportunity to like really showcase what he could do and he's fucking great in it. It's just a shame that like the script's not tight. Like yeah, it's not it's, a super uh, well written movie. That, that's always been the problem with Pumpkinhead but it's it's one of those things that like if you can buy into the folklore you're kind of entrenched in it. Oh yeah. Um, and then you know yeah it's just it's a very efficiently directed film. Oh yeah yeah. I mean like the, the only knock I have with anything directorial in it is like some of the, I mean, and it comes back to just what he was known for. It's like some of the kills just lack clarity. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're very confusing or disoriented in their like presentation. You know, it's like, doesn't necessarily have to be gory or anything, but they're kind of, you know, uh, fractured. Like it feels sure, like they're sure, head sure. down mm-hmm. or something from a long They don't version. feel cohesive. Yeah. And like that, you know, who knows? Like, might have submitted the movie and got an X. I don't know. You don't yeah. hear people talk about this movie the way like people really have like, you could have master classes about some movies. Like, if <laughs> yeah. you took Jaws in front of like a college, like, 
30 dudes can get up there and tell you everything about Jaws. Like, right. Pumpkinhead really doesn't have that going for it. Right. But with that said, like, you know, like you said, it's a really well-directed film overall. Like, the presentation of it, the atmosphere, like you said, if you could bite into that folklore in the first 20 minutes, you're in yeah, all the way. you're already in. Yeah. And he's such And a, that's what's great about it, though, because it's, it's akin... I mean, it is folklore, but it's also like you, when you're dealing with folklore, everybody knows what it is because they've been told those stories, right? There's not really anybody that doesn't understand what folklore is. At least I, I hope not. That would be weird. Kids don't know what folklore is. They're like, is that like the internet before is that the internet? Summer. <laughs> yeah, is that midsummer? But you know, with that, with that said though, like it's also a situation where it's like. It kind of does the same, like it marries slashers so well with, you know, that folkish Mm -hmm. kind of Grimm's fairy tale thing. Yeah. Where it's like, there's two things that those kind of story structures have in common, which is that these are the rules. Right, right. Don't break these rules. And, you know, of course, we don't know the rules when they set it up, but it's pretty pretty easy to follow along with what what you do and don't do in that film. And I hope I'm not sticking my foot in my mouth, but Tom Woodruff was in the pumpkin head suit, right? Yes. I always thought that they designed that suit very much like an alien's xenomorph mm-hmm. suit. And I think there's a reason because you could see the silhouette, like you were talking about with the silhouette, Tom Woodruff has a great silhouette. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so well, it kind of made sense. You can get out sense. of monster suits. Right, like he's right. Just, he's the guy. You know, so you put him in there. I, I think they designed that suit kind of mainly for him, and it works. I, I always like when it's just not, you know, a guy in a suit, right? Oh, I'm a guy in a suit guy, mm-hmm. right? There's there's actually a use. Like, I want this specific person. Same same thing like with Doug Jones, right? Mm-hmm. Like, people will hire Doug yeah. Jones or mm-hmm. uh, Javier Botet because they want that specific look. Um, Javier Botet's probably like the skinniest of all. Oh of them. yeah, and definitely oh, yeah. like the most nimble of yeah. all yeah. those performers. Yeah, that guy does things that. And then the the new guy, there's a new. Oh guy, yeah, like they, the uh, scary squeeze guy. Oh, uh, Trevor is that? Um, yes, I, he's from Canada. He's yeah. one of those double jointed yeah, guys. I always forget. Incredible, because like, so he much did of uh, season effects. four of Channel Zero. What is the yes. professional Prince name for that? Contortion. Twisty yes. Troy. Yeah. Uh, Troy, Troy. Right. that's it's it. Not Trevor, it's Troy. Tris- right. Twisty Troy. I can't think of his last name. I think if you look up Twisted Troy, you'd probably find. Yeah, him. for sure. Well, Twisted, he might get a juggalo, but it's Twisty <laughs> Troy. <laughs> but yeah, he's great. Why am dude. I getting all these hits? Yeah, right. <laughs> the fanboys. Yeah, right. The Twisted fans out there. <laughs> but yeah, no. I'm actually you talking about Pumpkinhead. Now I'm definitely going to make sure that's on the. Uh, September, the, October watch. The watch list. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just definitely one of those movies. It's like, uh, I don't know, like I said, I watched it a lot. Seminal film for me. Like, I love the folklore. Like, I've often been like, if I were to ever remake this movie, like, I would not ignore that first movie. Right. right. Like, it would be like a reboot sequel. Like, it oh, would literally a just like. Sequel. Absolutely. And it would be yeah. definitely one of those situations where it's like, by doing this, like, I'm embracing that original film. Just like the beginning of that movie has that prologue with, like, yeah. you know, yeah. young Lance Henriksen watching it happen. Take that motherfucking movie and just put that in the new movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, own that shit. Ignore all the sequels, though, for God's sakes. <laughs> Poor <laughs> yeah. Jeff Burr. Poor Jeff Burr. <laughs> what do you do when you have $10 or uh. some Taco Bell to feed a crew? <laughs> well, those made for cable one yeah that made for cable <laughs> i liked blood wings growing up blood wings is all right it doesn't hold up super well it's no. but yeah the sci-fi channel original ones are yeah, really they're bad. pretty rough yeah 
All right. Um, so I was talking to Nikki about Giallo July, <laughs> and um, it's if you're not familiar with that, it's something we came up with and never followed through on, <laughs> where we were going to give a whole well, month of Giallo film coverage. But every every year, I try. I try. Uh, and at do. least... No, not really. No. Um, except for we're showing Tenebrae in July well, yeah. for a reason. That's, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And Bird with Crystal Plumage. In July, at the Moolah, uh-huh. we we showed Deep Red for Giallo July. We've mm-hmm. shown Bird with Crystal Plumage for Giallo July. When did you show um, uh, the Martino film? Oh, um... Torso? Torso. I, I think it was also a July. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I tried to so you're just show on the street is what you're saying. Yeah, gotcha, I don't gotcha. write on the website basically okay. and and really promote it for what it deserves. Okay. So um <laughs> I've heard you talk about it, I just didn't know that you yeah, uh, had done that. So that's what Yellow July is, is just watch as much yellow as you can. And here we were like, you know, if almost over a week into July and I'm like, Oh fuck, Nikki, I wanna watch some Giallo. And I had to watch one uh, for the other podcast, Battle of the Boutiques, so you should know what that is. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to show you an American giallo. And then, of course, I had to fucking explain what a giallo is and all this other bullshit. But <laughs> I'm sure she was riveted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to start with like, an American version of something you've I was, never heard of. I was half, like, halfway in explaining and I'm like, oh god, I'm becoming a meme, aren't I? <laughs> it's like, I'm that fucking yeah, guy. You're the that guy leaning over. I'm dwelling, that fucking you are guy. a meme. So, um, we, all, we all are. Anyway, I was like, <laughs> I wanted to show her Alice Sweet Alice. So yeah. that's what I showed her because, um, I've come to find that she likes watching films about religion as well and things that question religion. I'm like, okay, this is kind of about Catholicism and it's a coping mechanism. Yeah. How do uh, I know that? <laughs> so, um anyway, we watched Alice Sweet Alice. And man, I I gotta say, every time I watch this movie, I just think it's like a bona fide masterpiece, except for the fucking that guy like that's the thing that ruins this movie it's from being like talked about among like De Palma yeah and shit like that you know it's like when when people other people will talk about American Giallos and they'll talk about like Dress to Kill um but to me Alice Sweet Alice is pretty on the nose with a Giallo film uh other than you just don't have the black gloves or the J&B but you have a mass killer, and it's so iconic. The score by Stephen Lawrence is amazing. I'm just watching it with Nikki, and she liked it a lot. But I'm like, fuck, man, this movie gets better every time I watch it. Have you ever seen this movie? It's been like seven years, okay. I think. Yeah, right. I don't remember every detail It's of been it. a I long time like it, since yeah. I've seen it. Because I know we've talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, but you did an episode so I, kind of right around the time the Arrow yeah I don't want to like wear out it's welcome either but then it's again we talk about Julie Darling so much and we still haven't covered that so oh, and Bad Ronald oh, yeah. that was going around for a while <laughs> I showed my kids Bad Ronald <laughs> they loved it they did they loved it I mean it's a TV movie like, it's okay it's pretty clean I mean yeah. other than it's just kind of a weird movie just a weird movie yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. let me tell you the like when I was in college my psychology teacher was like just talking about movies that traumatized her yeah and she was up there and she's like I don't I remember watching this movie when I was a little girl 
It was about this guy. He lived in the walls. He watched the family. He, I think he might have murdered a girl or something. I was like, are you talking about Not bad, bad Ronald? Ronald? And she's like, oh my God, that's it. And I was like, I'm so happy that I brought that moment to her. And I'm Closure, like, hey, they, it's yeah. like, there's a pretty sweet Blu-ray from Warner Archive. You can pick it's pretty up. sweet Blu-ray. It's like 13 bucks. Totally worth it. Oh, yeah. No. Anyway, um, yeah. Alice, Sweet Alice, if you've never seen it, please watch it. It is an amazing film. I believe it's on the Arrow player. Um, I just watched it through the Blu-ray, which the reason why I have this tone is I don't know if it's out of print. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, he just so, drove a whole bunch of people if, to it. Yeah. If it is out of print, I apologize. Uh, like I said, I think it's uh, available on the Arrow player. But if it's not out of print, maybe buy it. Make Message it go him out of print. at Treefy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and let him know that he's Hello, a dick. Please. Yeah, we'll go over template. all my uh, social medias so you can bomb me then. All right. Jeremy, what else you got? Man, um, kind of hard to pick because it's been so long. But <laughs> uh, I think what I want to talk about is a recent arrival, mm. and that is... Mm. Uh, the Seventh Curse from 1986. I my my copies in transit that just got a um, release. Radiant Films. It is a region locked release, but this is a uh, Hong Kong film from the director of Rikio. Yep. And the best. I don't know how to describe this movie. Uh, <laughs> I think I've only so, seen scenes of this as a shitty bootleg. I saw a DVD of it about 10 years ago, at, at least 10 years ago. The mm. easiest way to say is that a doctor is in a remote part of Thailand, stops a ancient sacrifice happening, pisses off this cult who gives him a blood curse... And one year later, the blood curse starts coming true, and his veins start popping in his body. Okay. And over the course of seven days, each one will do. When the seventh seventh blood curse happens on the seventh day, he will die. So he goes back to Thailand to stop it. Um, Chow Yun-Fat's in it. Yep. But he's a supporting character. Right. Um, so young Chow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's. Um, yeah, because what... What year was this made? 86. 86? It's a okay. Golden Harvest production, so it's got some money behind it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it I is those titles. fucking wild. I can't wait um, to watch this. It, I'm so excited. I'm really surprised <laughs> how much imagery I remembered from the beginning of the film 10 years on. Yeah. Um, I mean, kind of the color palettes, you know, totally working on all levels, but... There's uh, this scene where the first when the first blood vessel pops, I was like, oh, like it's tr- it's crazy. Just anytime you say yeah. when the first blood vessel pops, <laughs> there is the uh, <laughs> there is something called pops. the ghost child, and I will just leave it okay. at that. Um, right. I know this isn't the easy again. This is not an easy movie to necessarily find. Um, well, well, now more so than yeah. Before. It's there's eighty eight films put it out on yeah. Blu-ray. It is, you know, region I, locked. I ordered mine. I went region free a couple of days ago from Orbit DVD. Yeah, those I got, people are great. I got mine really? from Diabolic. Diabolic is also great company. I've actually been shopping through Diabolic for fucking ever. Yeah. 
12, 15 yeah, years, something. Um, I tend to go to them over direct I do too, but I'll, I'll be honest, and this is no knock on Jesse, um, because Jesse's actually given us gift cards for Horror Trivia Night, oh, like back in the that. early days. Yeah, that was like first um, year, maybe. But man, Orbit DVD, like you put that order in, they're shipping it out either that day or the next morning. That's well, they like. didn't get it. Yeah, they didn't like. Diabolic didn't get the 88 stuff till street date, basically. Right, right. Where when it's domestic product, well, it. So Di- here's the thing, Diabolic will do the pre-orders. Yeah. Uh, Orbit doesn't. They uh, only do it once they get it in stock. Uh-huh. Um, like they'll post on Facebook and stuff and say, "Hey, we're going to get this." we don't start selling it until it's in hand. Mm-hmm. Who uses Facebook? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nerdy film Yeah, groups. it's me. It's me. Yeah. It's me. It's me. True. No, it, I, that's definitely like, I've had good experience with Diabolic, but you're not wrong about ordering something and it being like a month before it ships. No, like, it's usually not that it's bad. Like two, but three, I've it, had some stuff, but if, I don't know if they're holding for like out of stock. And some well, some. Stuff. I mean, that's the bad thing about pre-orders, right? And I can't and, keep them all straight because they don't ship everything until it's ready. To right. Come. Exactly. Uh, but if you order something that's all coming out of the same street date, yeah, you can get that up to two weeks early. Yeah, you can get it early. But, I got Wishmaster set early. Ooh, oh, shit. I ordered that on purpose because I was like, I know it's coming early. Happy you know, birthday. Jeremy, because of you, whenever those were all streaming here, yeah. this is two years ago, maybe. Yeah. I had a friend come over and he's just chilling. And I'm like, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, watching Wishmaster. Yeah. He's like, you know, I've always heard of this. I've never watched oh. it. I'm like, boy, have a seat. And we ended up watching the first three. Oh, God. But, Hell yeah. You should have skipped three and watched four instead. I wish I did. I hadn't seen four. You forever, wish you did? Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't granted. <laughs> but yeah, we you know what? Two's a fucking hoot, man. That is a fun yeah, ass movie. That's a good one. Except, yeah, like, Kane Hodder's facial hair is like, really <laughs> weird. fucking wild. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. So, Seventh um, Curse. Seventh Curse. Fucking love it. It's just as insane as... It's more of a, I would say, kung fu movie. Yeah. Um, not that Rikio doesn't have his no, amount of, yeah. you know, violence, um, fight <laughs> scenes, but it, it's fucking great. Like, it is just... I don't, I don't know. I really... I'm not surprised I liked it. Like, I remembered it that's why I wanted to buy it it looks great I know there's been some talk about the Cantonese uh, original mono and I noticed it at the beginning but I just didn't really I I I heard it gets blown out at the beginning I have a sound bar and so like I didn't care because the movie's entertaining as fuck even if there was a it's probably gonna annoy me but is it in the capture like that? It's yeah, like it's the original it's, Cantonese mono where I don't know if the DVD I watched. I think the mix got fucked ten years mm. ago. I don't remember what that sounded like, and it may have been in it may have been a Mandarin. No, I've just heard like track. that that the audio is. Oh no! But I'm saying poor. like the original version I saw that could have either been the Cantonese or it I could have you. been a Mandarin that was done for it. I don't. No, I don't fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to watch that uh, as I look at other DVDs and Blu-rays that are. I know. Still sealed. <laughs> uh, Doug, what else did you watch? Well, sir, <laughs> I got into your very friendly neighborhood vinegar syndrome for Ooh. their Miami Connection release. Yeah. Oh, 
I, as soon as that shit went on pre-sale, I fucking ordered it. Of course. Because it's Miami Connection. Yeah. I, I'm proud to say I own two copies of I, Miami I, Connection. Absolutely. I will never part with that. <laughs> Draft House and uh, this one, which I don't even know. Did all the special features port over? I believe so. I mean, okay. I haven't really like held the two side by side, but it looks like it. And then there's quite a few more. Okay. The route last yeah, I know there's well, definitely there's more. that like, alternate cut? Yeah, I haven't got into that yet. I'm real excited. To yeah. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Oh, that's alternate cut. Yeah, it's, you know, the two versions of the movie. I So there's, I think, just the 4K 1080p Blu-ray and then the Escape from uh, yeah, Miami. Miami. Escape from Miami. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is only available in the Blu-ray copy. It, I don't mm-hmm. think they have it on the 4K. Mm-hmm. But a whole bunch of special features. I've only got, a, I only got to watch the movie to really compare it. It's like, <laughs> and sometimes, like, you know, with, like, Vinegar Syndrome, they'll handle a title that you're just like, even, like, like this movie looks like crap, even in its best form. And then yeah. somehow, like Dead Heat's a good example. Uh, yeah. Like somehow they make it look great. Yes. And you're just like, this movie shouldn't look this good, but it does. Yeah. It, part of you wants to say that it doesn't deserve this, but it. It's it all movies. I think deserve. every movie yeah. deserves yeah. Yes. the best representation. And I and do. I do enjoy that there's companies out there like, like them, like taking movies that. You know, are so maybe underloved is For a sure. way to put that. Yeah. And making releases that are like smoke these studio releases. Yeah. Like, oh, like it blows my mind that you like you could go buy the new like the Batman and it's like it you know, maybe didn't quite get quite the love. I'll but. be honest though, like I'm still it's funny because I do want to upgrade to four K. Um but I'm still not sold on four K per se. Oh, that rhymed. He's so full. He's, he's he doesn't so know. She's convincing I himself. So I just shit. want no. You don't know shit I about want, dick. I want a 4K TV mainly for. I'm just tired of the. I'm tired of the the milky blackness and darkness on my screen because like it's not pitch dark. And I, you know, this is something that like if Josh was here, he would totally get what I'm saying because being a projectionist kind of fucks you up. I can visually yeah. yeah like you capture a lot of shit mm-hmm. um and i don't know like i want a 4k tv that where the the black levels are actually black and i want a 65 inch versus well, then you a 55 absolutely inch. have to go oled man like you can't but like, you know, like here's here's why i'm not sold like- on 4k is that like i've seen so many horror stories and especially with these boutique labels where the color's off and like i'll see people like just take Granted, it's it's like cell phone pictures, right? But I'm like, wow, somebody posted something today with cloak and dagger, and I'm like, man, that looks really orange. So I just want to dismiss that. And say, like, <sighs> if it's a photo, no, I know, oh, I know, I know, it I is know. a I photo of someone's TV. Yeah, and you don't like, know how their settings are because, despite the fact that these fucks all buy, you know, all simp for these, you know, small companies that put out these. You don't know what their TV settings are. Right. I, mm-hmm. I recently and got a 4K mention, TV. I've right, right. been all over Discord with it. And do I have it like calibrated? calibrated. I don't, but I, I have played with the backlight. You could probably calibrate levels. it from a YouTube video. Oh, oh yes. no, you yep. can't. I well, just ha- even I've then been having had the chance. A lot of manufacturers will have like subreddits and stuff mm-hmm. like that yeah. with like optimal, like, here's the best way to present it. Because, well, unfortunately, to your point, and even to some of these people's points is like they they it isn't like when we were kids and you would buy a TV and it's like you get what you get right right uh-huh. you know? and you're yeah. just like stuck with like here is a neutral picture 
right? Mm. So then they started getting to the smart TV market, and now like the TVs have so many sub settings in them that yes. you have to really go through and like first off, you have to really know what that shit is before you fuck with it. You have to know things like adding noise reduction to through your TV will fuck right. up the image like in <laughs> yeah. a way that's like not great. Yeah, you have to go through and like understand like you changing the color temperature of the TV affects the white balance of the film and like just all sorts of crazy shit. Yeah. That, like you know like you it's I would rather just go through and have it the most neutral version I can, which is why I like the cinema the cinema mode or whatever yeah. filmmaker mode that mm-hmm. LG's doing mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, totally one hundred percent behind it. Like just let the fucking Blu-ray tell it the metadata. Like mm-hmm. let it say like this is what the film is meant to be play i don't want to have to fuck with that stuff like i you know i just want to watch the movie and get the version that i'm out but with what you're saying like you know with the tv being like 4k and you know but you can't ever take a photo yeah i know i know i know know. and it's like but these people i mean you're you're talking to the guy who like got into an argument with somebody because they they took cell phone pictures of their blu-rays for what was it synapse suspiria or Oh, what the fuck was it? No, it was the like Italian release, the Italian 4K of Suspiria. Oh yeah, yeah. And they're like, "Look, it looks so much better." I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Like the colors are completely off. They're too fucking green." Yeah. And but, that is a weird thing we live in right now. Where it's like I was talking to this British friend of mine on Instagram, and we we're talking about John Carpenter's The Thing and how she was going to see it. Oh god! During their 40th I'm anniversary. So sorry. Yeah, we were like, yeah, but which version's the right version now? Because there's essentially two that are like certified yeah. as being the correct yeah. presentation of the film. Yeah. So it's like one's bluer and one's warmer. Like mm-hmm. which one's right? They're both signed off on. You know, like we're living in a crazy time where it's like I know. people, you know, we used to bitch about Spielberg, like fucking putting radios in people's hands and E.T. But now we're like, <laughs> we're getting into the woods of like fucking with movies is like, you know what? What we all knew. I don't mm-hmm. want to get off topic because that's, that's too late. Too, too bad. <laughs> that's what we do. Um, but I was watching something that was kind of interesting about this. And it's it talks about revisionist history. Uh, the Duffer Brothers. Stranger Things, right? Yeah. They've already revised episodes in the past, and mm-hmm. nobody's really caught on on it. Like, and they've already said they've used George Lucas as a verb now, and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna go in and George Lucas the date on the VHS for uh, season four. If you haven't watched season four, don't worry, I'm not gonna get into spoilers. But Will's birthday is March twenty second, oh, yeah. as revealed in the third yeah. season, and in the fourth season. There, there's a skate party on March 22nd, and they don't talk about his birthday nope. whatsoever. Not the whole. <laughs> so they're day. like, I oh, do remember that. We like, fucked yeah. up. <laughs> so like, this is a sleepier version of the Game of Thrones fix. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like they're not drawing the attention to it, but they're very clearly, George Bush thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, the Game of Thrones with the uh, coffee cup. Like, oh, going like, in and yeah. Taking well, the episode off and then putting it in with the new version okay. in there because that's been revised too. That Saturday, they apparently uploaded a new version. That had twenty like finished effects that weren't uh-huh. in the like July first upload. So now they're video gaming it too. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Well, and they also fixed uh. like some sort of subtitle issue where um, I'm okay with that. Is that I think wet, wet squelching tentacles. What? <laughs> no, Will was uh, saying the Surfer Boy Pizza phone number incorrectly or something. So they did an ADR before they published out that the oh, season okay. but the subtitles weren't corrected so when it first aired 
like if people watched it within that first day, it had the wrong phone number in the subtitles. So you mean I'm okay with that because that's like a fix. Sure, that and that people. makes sense. Like it's to help that people. makes sense, right? But to go back and fix your storytelling because you, that's what they're doing. You know, that's different to me. They they they're gonna mess with the the date on the VHS tape. So I'm gonna quickly four. soapbox because I just got to it. Something's been bugging me for a really long time, and like I haven't come onto this topic <laughs> in a situation. Oh shit! So this is what I'm gonna get into. We've opened the door. This. Do you remember when HBO started re-editing movies when they first launched Max? They like took Gone with the Wind yes. and they tried to like scrub out quote unquote racist things. Yep. Or like Disney Plus is like we're not putting that on there. Or like they tried editing it or removing things. Yeah, they were. Yeah, I do. I remember the Disney Plus. Of I mean, there's there's also like the wrong aspect ratio too. Yeah. So with that said, like you know, or the Simpsons. fucking seeing the radio thing was a good one because like, but yeah. except for like the way releases used to happen though, is you know that Blu-ray would come out or that DVD back then, and the audience would be like, well, what well, this isn't right. Mm-hmm. And like people talk about this Mandela effect shit all the time, but like sometimes <laughs> like it is happening. Like sometimes yeah. you are witnessing a change that's just being subtly rolled out right in front of you. Think about when you look at social media platforms and how they do the updates to the interface. Mm-hmm. And right. like how if you look at that every update in succession, how it's like a radical difference from like twenty ten to twenty now to yeah. now, but you that you don't actually witness it like in real time because it's a soft change yeah so with that said like the idea now that like filmmakers like there was even a period where Netflix was tinkering with the idea of releasing a movie that had different endings and different scenes based on your taste to make mm. you happy mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah and yeah. that bothers me because like part of the film experience is like the things you do and don't like right like to have those discussions to get in the woods but so, so like you watching a movie and me watching a movie but technically, having seen two completely different movies sharing the same title, yeah. really disturbs me. Like it's something. But that then, I don't how agree can with. you even talk about it with anyone? Right. It's, exactly. You can't. And also, how is it going to challenge you at all if it's yeah. catering to your interests? So that's kind of like a the thing to me that really bugs me. But now that like I hadn't heard that yet, it's exactly like <laughs> yeah. It's um, exactly what I was worried would happen because yeah. the Game of Thrones thing really alarmed me because yeah. I'm like, okay, they fixed a fuck up with the continuity of that coffee cup being in there and I get it yeah I get it but it also worries me the power that they can yield that, of like, course you know and kids I get is, what you're saying kids this is why physical media matters because yeah. like if um, you own that copy it can't be fucked with and they've but, they've even said like hey people own first season and second yeah. season of Stranger Things if you go th- oh, have they put out the third season no th- th- I don't think there's any no. plans but They've said that, like, if you compare your Blu-rays or your 4Ks to what's streaming now on Netflix, you will find differences. So they haven't really revealed everything they've changed. But I have a weird feeling, like, there's a couple of videos that are coming out that are like so, sh- showcasing there's something oh in the season first, one season two yeah. you hear the clocks uh-huh mm-hmm. and i have a that, weird feeling that's not actually in the no, original yeah i uh, definitely feel like you know to touch on this show i mean it's like i it. like this show touch on it. enough it's a cultural phenomenon we could agree with that yeah i feel okay about it like i, I think this late, latest season was really good though i i agree hey, but it's definitely a case of where like that time off gave them an opportunity to really dial in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like what they wanted to do with the film, and like I mean, honestly, like yeah, there's absolute parallels between Freddy Krueger and Vecna and all that stuff. It's like it's, but it's intentional. But mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it feels of the time, and it's like let's not even fucking act like there's not a hundred Freddy Krueger. And they actually, what's funny though is they actually revealed that they didn't like Robert Englund apparently just submitted an audition tape, and he was like chilling in a bathtub or something and doing his lines. 
and like the casting director was like, oh, yeah, you'll want to watch this one. Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, she read the script and they knew what was happening, but Robert England had like uh, a page. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't know the full context yeah. of yeah, everything. Yeah. So when he auditioned for it and they're like, oh, this is like, Got number to, one, yeah. it's serendipity that you're doing this because we're obviously influenced by Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy Krueger. But also, like, this is a great little cameo that we didn't kind of expect. And, and so that, even, that know, worked out great. What makes me really happy about the whole thing is that there's you're crazy. Like, sometimes, like, I hate the Internet so fucking much. Like, the things that happen, <laughs> like, like all these, like, memes of, like, you know, well, Eddie had to learn Master of Puppets in two oh, weeks. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, shut the fuck up. Like, it wasn't a single like, until July of that the year. fuck up. Like, it's just, it's a fucking, like, Vecna's not real either, motherfucker. Like, right, the whole world, right. the Upside Down doesn't exist. Who gives a fuck when he learned the song? Maybe it was released two years before this yeah, world. No. Who fucking knows? Shut up. But. Wow. What, wow. <laughs> Strong feelings. <laughs> Fuck, man, I got so derailed because <laughs> you got so worked up. Uh, yeah, so fucking throw it off on that. Old man, you But yeah, no, yeah, I mean, it's oh. right. Okay, go. yeah, I got my point. But what I really love is like I have friends who are non horror people who just too much for them. Too right, much. Like right, just the right, genre, yeah. it's, they intimidates them, it scares them. And like the earliest feedback from them, like that weekend when it all dropped, is like, oh my God, I didn't know it was going to go so horror. Yeah. Yet they stuck with it and they finished it and they loved it. And that's why I like and, it. Yeah. And I'm like, guys, like, so for like people like myself, guys like you guys, like, I'm so happy to see there's a gateway to horror for like a well, whole new generation of sure, kids. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're telling me metal um, and horror are in the mainstream right now? Fuck yeah. And done well. Yeah, and done well. Here's the thing, is there's going to be kids that fucking watch this show and they're like, wow, that was really dark. What is? What are the influences? Because I think kids are smart enough, especially like teenagers and preteens, they're smart oh, enough to know that like these, there are references, there are calls to something maybe they don't know about, so they're going to go explore. Oh, yeah. And great thing about the internet is all you have to do is type in, Stranger Things is influenced by... Yeah. Like, and then you'll get everything. Like my kids, they watch. Uh, they'll come in and they'll ask me some weird shit. They'll, like, <laughs> they'll ask me some weird shit. I'm like, how the fuck do you even know that movie? And, like they watch all these like YouTube guys. Yeah, yeah. They like do like breakdowns of movies and stuff. And so they'll come in like, hey, uh, can I watch Saw? <laughs> I'm like, I. I, I What's you know the what? answer to I, this? I, yeah, I don't know. The first one's not that bad. They get pretty radical. Yeah. The first yeah, one's yeah, not yeah. too bad. Like not uh, really. Doug, I was laughing when you said. Um, watch something catered to your interest and make it through or something like that mm -hmm. because it made me think of Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah. Oh, because what challenged me was trying to finish that fucking movie. Woo! Oh, you hate it? Ooh, yeah, hate it? but we're not talking about that. We're going to see <laughs> We're it. talking about uh, Miami Connection. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Back, Back to Miami, Miami Connection. Yeah. I mean, like, on, wow. the, on the topic of Miami Friends Connection. Forever. Yeah, it just... One, the audio mix is even better yeah it did it's, sound better it i watched the blu-ray much better right? yeah yeah not, not i don't feel like the original we know, wasn't you're the best, but the, the it wasn't ones, but it felt like they just clearer. captured the 35 millimeter print did some like post-processing mm -hmm. a little bit but not much it's a lot cleaner and the yeah. mix feels more balanced than it used to so it's like okay. even the music and stuff feels like it it has a little more ass to it compared to like the previous release uh of course like i mean for me that movie's just like it's so funny. Like I've turned on a few friends to watch it. The you know, like they'll watch. Yeah. It. You know, I when think did it's you like see it? Did Fuck, I don't know. Because I saw it at Fantastic Fest. Yeah, I don't know if you screening it or me seeing it the next year at Fantastic Fest as part of like a. You know, because I'd already seen it. I think I just bought it on Blu-ray and watched okay. it. Yeah. All right. 
Yeah, because I like, don't remember that Because you were kind of getting into Draft House stuff, yeah. at least well, you're how I knew me you. on Fantastic yeah. Fest, because I remember yeah, like, yeah. man, have you seen this? And we'd, like, we'd be talking shop, and you would be like, yeah, I saw it at Fantastic Fest. I saw it at yeah. Fantastic Fest. Saw it at Fantastic Fest. I'm, I'm like, wait, are you telling one. me every fucking one of these titles played Fantastic Fest? And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, and then I like went, looked it up, and like fucking dagger. I'm like, this kind of looks like a cool film festival, not douchey film festival. Right. So I, I'll fucking cool buy a ticket one. and go. It is a cool one. Yeah, I mean, it's like a just chill yeah. like, party with a bunch I, of I definitely want to go back. Yeah. It's it's not going to be this year, but maybe next year. I don't know. We'll see. I've been hearing that for five years. I know, Andy. I know, brother. Yeah. <laughs> well, Andy, uh, what's the other movie so you've been watching? The other Sell movie. some of your Vinegar Syndrome titles. <laughs> <laughs> he can't do it. He can't do it. Um, so the other movie I watched, speaking of Vinegar Syndrome, <laughs> is Ticks. I don't okay. think I've Hell ever seen this movie. Fucking, yeah, it's about time you watched it. And uh, oh, it's about time. Oh, Same you fucking did it. Motherfucker. If you didn't get the joke, both films are directed by Tony Randell. Yeah. I didn't pick that apart. up. I, you know, I just thought that was your undying love. <laughs> I mean, you just thought that was his oh, slogan, no, it his catchphrase? <laughs> it's about time. When's this episode coming out? When is Amityville? The, I don't know. What's episode? I don't know. Okay. Fucking not tomorrow. Saturday. <laughs> this coming Saturday is a big day. Is oh, the yeah. 40th anniversary of Amity. 30th. 1992. Which, so I watched Ticks from the new uh, Vinegar Fuck. Syndrome. Yes, just release. got my copy. I don't. I, I've passed by this VHS copy so many times. I'm like, oh, that looks silly. Again. This was in my very snooty horror period where I'm like, I have so to watch all the yesterday. fucking good stuff. Not yesterday. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, I had to watch all the good stuff before I could get into the schlocky. Like bats with Lee Diamond Phillips? <laughs> yes, like Fuck. bats. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. I know I've seen pictures of it probably in Fangoria. So, like, some of the scenes when they happen, I'm like, oh, I've seen that. I've seen that. But I don't think I've ever seen this movie. And as I'm watching the movie, I had never seen this movie. Uh, so this is starring Seth Green. Mm-hmm. And I apologize, I don't know the actor's name, but uh, Carlton. Alfonso <laughs> Ribeiro. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. How dare I? How dare uh, you? This is it's a. Like, it's okay, Andy. That's how everyone has introduced aww. me. This is a fucking blast. I honestly thought what I was going to get is just like 90s kind of direct-to-video he cheese. He doesn't listen to me. And it's it's really this like nice celebration of a creature film yes. with 80s gore sensibilities. Oh, yeah. And it I is fucking disgusting. love it. It is gross. And Clint Howard's in it, so, you know, Patrick and loves Howard's this movie. in it? Yeah, and Rance Howard, his brother. It's a brotherly his thing. His father? Or wait, what? No, fuck! Did I say brother? Yeah. God damn it! I meant Ron. Shit. Ron's not in the movie. <laughs> no, Ron is not in the movie. He was he too was busy making fucking. Back, I don't know. Backdraft. <laughs> Talk about just like a radical departure for that family. <laughs> Could hey, you imagine their phone okay. conversations? <laughs> so, Ron, yeah. what are you doing? Well, I'm doing this uh, film for Universal called so Backdraft. I gotta, I gotta keep what are you doing? I'm sure. I'm doing tips. I don't know the last time I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> backdraft, but Clint's got to be in backdraft. He's in all his movies. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I don't doubt Just it. imagine those phone calls. Like, yeah, man, the Academy's really pestered me. Like, I got <laughs> all these interviews. Like, you know, I've got Oscar nomination buzz. What have you been working on? Let's talk about you. 
Yeah, let's uh, talk about uh, you for ticks. once. I got this movie so we, come, yeah. coming up called Ice Cream Man. <laughs> Did this picture Ice Cream Man? I'm Fuck a killer yeah. ice cream man. Hell <laughs> yeah! Also, a vinegar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's nice, Clinty. It's it's a really. Oh, the Love fact that, that he calls him Clinty. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I've been championing this movie for a long time. And because it was all the films put it out on Blu-ray, yeah, went out of print pretty fucking quickly. But seems like a lot of their stuff does though. Back in, I want to say it was like 2010 or 11. Somebody I worked with um, was selling their VCR and all their tapes, and it was a you had to take it all. It was like 50 Mm. bucks, but it was like 60 tapes and a VCR. Okay, 50 dollars. I was like. That's that's not a bad deal. No. (laughs) And it was plenty of, you know, a few horror titles, few. It was was a little bit of everything. And that's okay. Like, Tix was in there. Never fucking heard of it. And so I was just like, I noticed, I was like, oh, Tony Reynolds. Like, that's hellbound. Like, I didn't realize I'd seen Amityville when I was younger. You know, 1992, (laughs) it's about time. But I was like, oh, it's the dude that did hellbound. I was like, okay. Yeah. And I watched it, I was like, this movie is fucking wild. But nobody, it's like, nobody will believe you about it. Because they're like, why is this, like, who's going to watch this early 90s direct-to-video movie? It was like, you don't get it. Because it was on I so always, many streaming services. It was always on Prime, Tubi. I always associated it with Full Moon for whatever reason. Which is funny because I, I rented, a, like, almost every Full Moon mm-hmm. movie that came out. But Tix was distributed. Pictures, home video. <laughs> Well, hold on. I what? thought Tix was distributed through Paramount for a second. Maybe theatrically. Oh, I don't but know. home videos, the uh, Republic Pictures. Okay, all right. Because if you notice, that's a lot of the Vinegar Syndrome catalog. You have Tix. Oh. You have Scanner Cop. You have Amityville. You can announce every Vinegar Syndrome title. Oh, for probably. <laughs> Welcome to the Vinegar Syndrome. Podcast. Welcome to the Republic Pictures podcast. <laughs> oh my God! You don't even know. You don't even know. Is, is there sequels to Ticks? No, no, unfortunately not. Unless it's unofficial. Well, yeah, I'm looking to see if it's streaming anywhere so I can uh, finally get around to this. I've heard about this movie my entire life, but I was kind of like Andy about it, where I'm just like, um, I don't know. And what's, Meanwhile, I'm like watching Alfonso sh- Ribeiro s- plays against type because it's, it's on Tubi. He's a yeah. troubled youth. It's on Night Flight as well. His name is Panic, and they call him Panic because he don't. Because he don't. Oh, shit. That is yeah. literally how he says it. Too. <laughs> it's like, my name's Panic because I don't. And that's okay. It. Yeah. I'm like, this fuck. Is Carl- this is Carlton. Yes, yeah. this is Carlton. This is yeah. And this is well, <laughs> this is during the filming of Fresh Prince because this came out in '93. So yeah, this was '93. Which, mind you, Ron Howard was taking a break in '93, so maybe he uh, helped out on the direction. Maybe and it's uh, also it's, in between his fucking duds, in my opinion. You're you're putting far and away in the, the paper capabilities of Tony Randall. No, I know. Like no, no. Tony Randall directs the fuck out of this movie. I yeah. I really enjoyed back it. Back to back bangers, ninety two, ninety three, baby. It, it was a lot of fun. I ready. You don't I, even it's know. another movie I can't believe is on four K. Yes, but. Uh, I'm happy it is because it is a phenomenal movie, and I'm glad it's it got out of out of out of print hell. Because yeah. for a long time, I was like, "Oh yeah, I want to I want to see it." Jeremy keeps talking about it. I hear it's fun. Why? 
And I'm like, but I we'll go watch it on Blu-ray. I got a copy. It was on VHS. I mean, no, for real. I like, watch it on Blu-ray. Sometimes though. Vinegar Syndrome's getting hella reckless with that 4K scanner. <laughs> there's, there's some shit that they're like, I'm like, 4K scanner. I mean, they got it. So hey, you know not? what though? Texas Chainsaw 2. Oh, fuck. Right I'm going to lose it. my yeah. brain. I do kind of find it funny that we're going to get Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 on 4K before the original film. I thought they did a 4K. In Germany, but it's not great. Yeah, 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 you're right. And yeah, they did do a 4K scan, so I'm just waiting for somebody to put it out. I mean, I don't know. Like, resolution and all this stuff is funny because it's like, I don't know how great you can make a 16 millimeter movie look like there has to be a peak like where there's just not enough information yeah but i don't know if 4k is it yet because what what is it the the 35 millimeter equivalent of digital is like 16k or something Something like like that that. yeah it's it's pretty high like we haven't reached it yet so i'm just imagining like (laughs) if we're doing math It would be what eight K if it's sixteen millimeter. But yeah, but I mean, but it's just. But yeah, it doesn't work out that easily because like thirty five and like sixteen, it doesn't really have like a pixel density or anything. Where it's like, so you know, eight K or whatever. It's just kind of there's going to eventually just be a point where like scientifically there is you can't. It's indiscernible. And it's funny that we, I mean, we brought out Texas Chainsaw because I think that's a great Letman's test of like you know this movie, depending on how you watch it, in what format can be a completely different different oh, experience than the yeah. other absolutely yeah because the vhs version i watched as a kid like it felt gross yeah the movie looked gross like it the transfer was terrible it was you probably didn't know the, the media like one you, you know it's definitely like my friend has this thing that's when i grew up watching yeah yeah my friend has this theory he calls critters three syndrome <laughs> and you know it's it's kind of like a simple thing where he's just like you know we were talking about critters three he's like you know what he's like when i was a little kid i watched the shit out of this movie and you know something never crossed my mind it sucked never i don't think it's i don't think critters three sucks (laughs) four gets pretty like stretches yeah 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 yeah, for sure but but, brad dwarf in it pretty good but his point being like that when you're a kid there's really no bad movie like i remember like how many bad movies you know what the first time i remember seeing a movie and i was like I left the theater just completely like <laughs> fucked up about it. Caddyshack too. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it was the Super Mario Brothers movie. Ooh. Like I remember leaving mm-hmm. that and just being like, "What?" And it was because they weren't true to the original. I'd like, but there's that part yeah. of it's also like a live action version of that would be a hellish nightmare. <laughs> I think yeah. I saw that at like uh, Crestwood in the theater, and I was like, what "I the saw that like is Northwest this? Plaza." I think. I'm like, why is the bad guy from oh. Speed King Cooper? Yeah. <laughs> I well. For me, it was John Stewart kind of summed it up. He had somebody on Daily Show. It was doing doing a kids movie. He's like, you know, kids like don't, you know, they don't. He goes like, my son has never walked out of a theater of a movie that was bad and going, what the fuck was that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, what a waste of my money. Movies are bulletproof (laughs) when you're a kid. Yeah, Could a, you imagine a kid running out of the theater? What a waste of my fucking money! <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like the theory sound, and it's like, it's it's pretty obvious, but to that point, you know, yeah, I definitely... Texas Chainsaw, though, it's like you get that presentation of that original movie, and you're like, it never crosses your mind like yeah. when you watch a fucked up print or, like, a TV edit or something. It and adds that's, something. Like, typically, like, your first watch is how you know the movie. Right, And right. so it's like, yeah, like you said, it's like, you know, you're watching, like, the transfer's fucked up. Who fucking knew? Who, who when cares? you're like, yeah, like you're ten like years we, old. Yeah, when years we old, first showed know. Texas Chainsaw, it was via like this fucking magenta print from the original run, and 
it was not in great shape. It was, was so brittle that, that it broke night, if you just pulled it. It broke twice. Yeah. Jesus. Um, it was bad. Second one broke right as the movie ended, so it was like perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that's you know, the that, way that's, it should that's end. That's the counterpoint to me, though, where it's like, I... But I... I would rather watch a DCP and know that you're getting, like... But I like the seeing present, the like, evolution know. of movies in home video, because yeah. I no, watched yeah. the media version when I was a kid. I bought the Pioneer DVD when mm-hmm. I was I still 18 years old. Of course you do. I'll probably get, uh, like, crucified, but I mean, I, like, I, like, a 30-year-old movie on yeah. film is not going to... I mean, the experience oh, like is interesting. Like, 1992, it's about time. <laughs> <laughs> the, experience, the experience is interesting, and it's cool, and it's like, there is such an organic warmth to watching the film like that, but there's definitely... It brings out so many imperfections when it's that old of a print. Sure. Like if it's a freshly struck print, I will yeah. take that any day over a DCP. Mm-hmm. But you know, to that point, it, it depends because then, with with the whole he, late night grindhouse aesthetic, right? It kind of worked in its favor. Oh, one hundred percent. He also yeah, showed, showed though it. the at the time new DCP. Oh, the yeah, the four K restoration. restoration, and. I was so excited for that. I was a designated driver so I could drop people off and <laughs> fucking go to High Point to see this because yeah. I wanted to see this restoration of it. So so what stood out when you guys, I remember the first time I saw like that movie like punched up, like fucking dialed in. Was that Anchor Bay like release? No, it was a Pioneer no. DVD. Was the Pioneer DVD? Um, because that was the first time it looked good, quote unquote. That was the first time it looked accurate. I guess yeah, that's okay. the best way okay. to probably yeah, say yeah. it. Yeah, it's like I've seen it many times in many formats, but I know the first time that I was like fucking blown away by like what Daniel Pearl had done on that movie. Yeah, VHS, was, you couldn't really, you couldn't really like dissect the cinematography mm-hmm. other than like camera angles when it yeah. came down to VHS for sure. Yeah, and everything had like a really washed out, oversaturated yeah. look, mm-hmm. and like yeah. it was like kind of like almost like the whole film was ran through like coffee or something that gave it like yeah. a, like this like murky <laughs> translucence over everything whereas like i remember watching that anchor bay one i'd seen it before that but that was the first time that i remember like the thing that stood out pioneer. to me pioneer no 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 they went anchor bay to the 40th anniversary or whatever no. No, that was dark sky yeah. dark, that was dark, was dark sky, sky. Yeah. you're right yeah, yeah. you're right you're right Sorry. because by that time anchor Which bay was dropped the, the ball like hardcore and was gone from like anything worthwhile but yeah the thing that like stood out to me even more than that dvd release was the fucking blueness of the skies. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's seeing it at high point. I was like, this movie. Yeah, it's a gorgeous movie. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's incredible. It's like, sure, it's grainy, but it's like it's shot so beautifully. Like you just like you know, mm-hmm. there's so many moments that, you know, like I remember my entire childhood, people would be like, well, it's cinema verite. It's handheld. It's meant to be grimy. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be, you know, all these things. You're supposed to feel like you're there. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, but there's so many moments that have like muscular filmmaking qualities to them. Like you oh, know, yeah. of course, everyone talks about the famous like low angle dolly shot. Like there's so many great parts yeah. where you're just like, this dude like you know probably didn't have the time to execute the film the way he wanted to right but like there's great i mean have you ever seen the original lenses they shot that on uh I've, i think so <laughs> like, like they're, they're fucking gnarly weird. like monsters yeah yeah, like, yeah crazy and like not matched and very inconsistent yeah and you know you're just like how the fuck do you even i think make a they just pieced this? it together by borrowing from like the university oh, of austin yeah, or yeah, something yeah. i i can't remember the whole history i that needs a book if there's not one. And if there is one, I'll be buying it soon. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that film has just got so much history. It's, I'll you know, be you never, uh, I never get tired of, like, just, I mean, to me, that's, like, even more so than Evil Dead. Even yeah. more so, that, to me, is the first, like, real, like, you know, more than Phantasm, more than a lot of us. That's the first time, like, some kid filmmaker went out and just fucking did it. Right. 
and that's like the first like scrappy movie it's that like, the, went on to like this massive legacy yeah i think it's the first time i realized like oh you know number one when i first saw it on vhs i'm like that feels real and it's just how it's shot right and then a couple of years later i'd be like man a whole bunch of fucking like kids kind of made this movie and that mm-hmm. that to me is also wild but it also tells me that like when you're young you have more imagination and you're not bogged down and i also like that it's outside of the hollywood system so it's not so like homogenized i guess is the best way to say it like it doesn't feel like a product it feels like this natural bloom of our artistic shit anyway so yeah so Tangents, ticks, ticks, <laughs> and tangents. There's about thirty minutes getting Holy cut. Holy fuck! <laughs> we no, do. I, I haven't seen ticks, so I'm definitely gonna make it a priority ticks to watch. Ticks is a lot you of should. fun. It's one of those I was snobby, like would walk past it, and I'm like, no, no. But I would watch it like. Oh yeah. Uh, I was you like, where are you going with this? Know, is there a way to actually say that? <laughs> what is, is it? Don't like say it. Hiss it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I love that movie. Uh, you know, of course it like oh my god. But like, there's two s- Yes. There's a Mine's, newer one and an older one. Oh, Mine's the I older one, one I used one. to watch all the time at the fucking mutant, whatever. <laughs> yeah, so like, as much as I would be snobby, I would also watch stuff that I'm like, okay, thank you. Know, like, I love yeah, this. I, I watch trash. I, 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 again. I we know just, you watch trash. You have I, a whole <laughs> other podcast about watching trash <laughs> yeah. for that. Yeah. But presented very well. Um, <laughs> all right. Cool. So those are the movies we've been watching. Uh, Doug, we're going to talk about you now. Oh boy! Oh boy! So and look, <laughs> You're gonna watch even though we got a, drop off. <laughs> look, even though we got tangents, I think it's also a nice foundation flavor, to be flavor, talking about flavor. you as a filmmaker yes. and your short film, "What Happened to the Others." Why don't you tell us a little bit about how this movie came about? So, I mean, I spent a lot of time in my early twenties making like schlock shock films like all my shorts were like how tasteless can i get like you know punchline like putting punchlines over story and i don't know man I, I guess like we get older our tastes change and like our wants for things change and also like part of me was there was a good chunk of that time where i was like there was a lot of insecurity about the stuff i was making i felt like if i made a film that was too personal and put that out there for people that it would be harder if they didn't like it. Yeah. Than yeah. if I put something out there that had a piece of me that was real, that wasn't a joke, right? Like even yeah. if it has humor, like that the movie like is kind of a vessel for like shit that I'm struggling with, you know, or trying uh-huh. to wrap my head around. So I, the idea with this film was like this concept of multiple like different abstract thoughts that I was struggling with, like intergenerational trauma was a big one, like you know the things that your grandparents raise you with that. Or you know they raise their your kid your parents yeah. with and then raise you with that these are things that sometimes are completely irrational but they're embedded in you right you know I think about like people who uh, you know were raised during the Great Depression and mm-hmm. you know how that shit hangs on them for the rest of their lives like you know if they're like ten and had no consequence you know there's like so many things like biscuits and gravy right, right? like that come out of like that era of like just being so fucking poor no one can survive and then it's like little things like you know. 9-11 happened and you know all of us of a certain age like I mean fuck you could remember right where you were it was like listening to those Pearl Harbor, Harbor stories when you were a kid and it was definitely one of those moments where it was like I started meeting these 
adults now, young adults, but adults all the same, all the same that were either too young or not even born when 9-11 happened. Right, yeah. right. And that to me was like this moment where like, I'm like, you know, it wasn't so much that I was getting old, but it was like definitely a moment where it's like, these, this thing will happen to you. Like, you're going to get, there's going to be a period in your life where, you know, you're going to go through some like massive event. Like we, it just happens every generation, whatever it is. <laughs> You know, what like, recently happened? Oh, absolutely. Oh, you know, nothing, yeah, that's funny. Because one of the couple of years, one <laughs> of the people who worked on the movie, like she was young, she was like eighteen, uh-huh. and she like worked on you know set deck and stuff. And she, we were talking about this like thematic thing as I was putting together like you know all the like art direction for the film yeah, and like right. having meetings with them and stuff. And I told her, I was like, you're going to run into this." And it wasn't even like a full fucking year later that it just <laughs> yeah, surprise <laughs> yeah. And but you know, part of that was just like this idea to explore like a family dynamic and like purposefully the film is a patriarchal film like not because like you know any statement about women or whatever but I really wanted the film to really focus on the structure of like what it means to be a grandfather a father and a son uh-huh. you know a grandson all on this like been because of the films of a certain length I couldn't try to explore too much more than that so I really looked at trying to narrow it down to those pieces there's a whole lot of stuff on the cutting room floor of like the initial pass that I really wanted to expand on if it should be turned into a feature but what we ended up doing with it is like I wanted that, but then I was also absolutely fascinated with like these amazing biological monsters that I was obsessed with as a kid. Like there came that point where I realized like the movie monsters that really worked with me, like coming back to Pumpkinhead. Sure, sure, sure. Less so Pumpkinhead, but like yeah, say yeah, like yeah. Alien. Yeah. Is that you know it's a movie like if when I was a little kid, if I had seen that, like as a little kid, like watching Alien, I knew it was a movie. Yeah. But I believed that fucking thing could exist. Like, I knew, like, in my mind, like, there's a world where the alien exists. So, like, I really, really wanted to uh, work on just, like, I was like, if I'm going to make a monster movie, like, I want to make something that has, like, like the monster has consequence. Mm-hmm. And the, the monster means something. What I love about the genre is that, like, you can embed so many ideas in a, a film, like, you know, with the genre. Like, in the genre, it works so much as an avatar for, like, concepts and theories that, like, if you were to say, like, you know, you take RoboCop and you're like, well, it's a statement about gun control, about capitalism, about Republican Party, about this and this. Like, it would completely isolate an entire part of the audience who loves that movie. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what I love about the genre is like you can make statements about things, but not have to like make them obvious. Like instead, they can be more like open ended and more interpretive. Mm-hmm. You know, I see people all the time like Brian Fuller has that famous queer read on Christine. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see yeah. what he's talking yeah. about. But I don't relate to that. But that's also what's amazing to it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, like this guy watches this movie and he sees something completely different in the film. And, you know, it's like there's some of that in there. You're like, I follow you. Yeah. And I love hearing what you have to say. But that's also what's beautiful about genre. It's like if you made a literal version of what that movie was trying to say, that would not translate that way to people. Right. Mm-hmm. So whenever I was going around to do this film, I was like, I really wanted the monsters. Like, I spent a lot of time thinking about cicadas and a lot of ah. like these like animals, these creatures yeah. that... Every don't the yeah exactly that are of the earth seven and then, years 13 years 18 years and i also yeah. wanted them to be uh primordial like something that perhaps like existed prehistoric like something that existed right. so long ago mm-hmm. that like you know when they did come back you know maybe like history wasn't written maybe things weren't we weren't documenting things like i grew up in an area with a lot of native and made it native american history so there's a lot yeah. of petroglyphs and stuff like that i grew up with these these things just laying around me all the time mm-hmm. you know you'd go down in the creek and you play you would find an arrowhead like that stuff was such an like integral part of my childhood growing up and you know so like part of native american history is that they don't have a written language 
Right. right. Like petroglyphs like really can be reinterpreted for hundreds and thousands of years without meaning the same thing to any two people. And so to me, the idea of like, what was the Wendigo? What was, you know, a vampire? Like what was all these things throughout these historic moments? And could it all be stemming from the same like by like just ancient creature? Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the idea of being able to explore that aspect of this thing that has such consequence and has struck such a fear into the core of somebody at a young age that they carry that with them through their entire lifespan, like that they're up in age now and that this thing has haunted them for 50 years. They've lost 50 years of their life, like being afraid of like this day they could come back. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and really, of course, it's not a good genre film if they don't come back. Right. 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 So, so, you know, we, you know, really, that was like the idea behind the inception of it. Um, and I feel like, you know, really putting it together, that was like the big thing I wanted to approach. But it was so it was a rule for me to try and make it as cinematic as I could without having to get because I feel like with this much folklore behind a film's like concept that it would be too easy to like set down and um just have like a huge exposition dump. Sure. You know, yeah. like honestly, like funny enough, one of the biggest script struggles was the newscaster character that is at the beginning of the movie. Okay. Like I would overwrite him just yeah. to see how much I could take out. Like I wrote his initial pass was probably like half a page long of him, like setting uh -huh. up the stakes of where we're at now, the current climate. Mm -hmm. And then they kept shaving stuff off and shaving stuff off and shaving stuff off until it was like, okay, at this point, like he catches you up to speed. He sets you in the current timeline, lets you know that like, there's a slice of this that some people saw and some people didn't. And there's an unreliable narrator to the grandfather figure. Mm -hmm. Right. And then in the feature version, that character has Alzheimer's disease mm -hmm. and he's slipping and he's a doomsday prepper. And he spent his whole life like stressing and antagonizing about protecting his family and protecting his children that he just drove his loved ones away. But he's has this plan for when they come back that he'll be prepared this time and he'll never allow what happened to him as a kid to happen again. However, he can't control that internal conflict that's causing him to lose his facilities. And so his kids are struggling with like, you know, what is happening? You know, grandfather's losing it. Yeah. And he's dangerous because he's like playing with these, he's got guns, he's got traps, he's got shit set up everywhere. And I can't trust my kid to be around my grandfather, but I also can't take my grandkid away from my grandfather. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that constant conflict between these characters is like a huge part of where I want to go with like the future concept of it. And so really looking at how much of that can I put in there and how much can I leave out. So it's like I really wanted to leave like the fear like setting in the grandfather character. And like I feel like that was enough for the short film to mm -hmm. be like, here's the seed of what he's afraid of. And this is what he's living with. Like right. almost yeah. like, you know, stress over his shoulder every day. You know, that every time the phone rings, what's it going to be? You know, but ultimately with the short film was the opportunity where this happens. They do come back. And he's left his guard down. Like for this one moment, his grandson and his his son aren't in the place where he could protect them. So that was the idea with like, that's what we're going to do with the short. And we're going to build the atmosphere and build the world out. And hopefully people dig that. Trying to explain this concept to Jess, my girlfriend, because I mentioned, I said it's, you know, based kind of in full. And she, her mind went, oh, like, she goes, is it like midsummer? And I said, no, it's like antlers. Because we watched Antlers earlier. That's a fair this comparison. Year. Yeah, we were like and, in production. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. like, I hadn't read the short story, yeah. but whenever the first and trailer came out, I was like, uh, "I better read that story." <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, it's, it's, they're not even. They're they're the not, same, but yeah. in terms of the same kind of creature. Yeah. And generational trauma. Yeah. Um, I definitely kind of 
picked up on that in complimentary ways. I don't, you know. Yeah. They're, they're very different movies. They're extremely yeah. different. Um, yeah, it's one of those. And because you shared this with me at least a year ago. Oh, I'm sure. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. If not before that. And, you know, what struck me were the things that stuck with me were like the candles going out. It was. Mm-hmm opening candles going out and then the payoff at the end mm-hmm. um like i you know you know it's really funny about the candle going out but why was it a mistake <sighs> it, wasn't, it wasn't a mistake but happy it was accident 100 percent happy accident Excellent. and as soon as it happened like i looked at my dp and i'm like oh oh <laughs> <laughs> he's because he was like he was like looked at me he's like fuck it went out dude and i'm like no no, no, that's what I want. No, I, it's like because it was like it, it was captured like so yeah. cinematically that I'm like, yeah, 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 like yeah. yeah. We could have planned like we could like I was hoping that like you know we would see him and like the idea was that we'd have to like blow it out or something. Oh, but the perfect gust saying. of wind hit it, God, and the so way good. it hit, it just was extremely natural. It played like I worry when you do a gag like that, that you're going right. to go over and like blow out in the fucking light, jiggle, and it won't. You know, it looks artificial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it just has like that perfect kiss and like disappears <sighs> and like just as the motion. Yeah. You know, just as the camera movement. All you got lucky. Right. Yeah, it was, it was a great time. <laughs> you got lucky, kid. No, that's awesome. Everybody gets one. That was yours. <laughs> Jesus. You get like one of those per movie and then you get like 10 <laughs> fuck yous. <laughs> so, okay. So we were talking about influences before. Well, obviously, I think you kind of already mentioned it, but Pumpkinhead. 100%. Yeah. What, what other influences anything that so, like, you wouldn't think about yeah i mean so a lot of uh a little bit of everywhere like i uh like i funny enough like i mean it's a more modern movie but i thought like a quiet place was something i came to mostly because the movie has um it deals with like this really it has this like ability regardless of how you feel the quality of the film sure, per sure. Se, it's the mm-hmm. ability to take a film that has like a folkish quality like that yeah and embed it like in a rustic modern sensibility i know what you're saying. Where it's like you're yeah. watching the movie and it's like taking place modern day but everything feels a little worn feels a little like you know like what mm-hmm. almost like a memory of like 10 years ago would be to you yeah as opposed to like you know like oh it was like yeah from my childhood or whatever right but yeah so that really was something i thought about as far as like how to take the movie put it in the present day and still approach a folk kind of aspect so i pulled up that um of course like the opening like i feel like it was a really important you know <laughs> okay like touching on just like how to play off an opening that really like just really kind right. of like punches you in the face a little bit and like sets the stakes for the rest of the film in a way that's like super integral and, and i kind of thought more of a miniseries with the little girl the clothes like when the clothes are being the bad seat no mini series yeah yeah. like that opening because maybe that's what got because i watched that tv debut yeah yeah as a seven-year-old so that's what stuck with me yeah uh but i got more that's what it reminded me of like i think in a good way i would have thought of that but that's what i love like yeah that people see that and they recognize things like okay yeah right i've had people be like oh have you seen this i'm like Mm-mm. But that's super <laughs> yeah. fucking cool. That, yeah. like, you, like you, you know, one to one, like pick this up. Of course, like uh, the original Alien talking about the biology, mm-hmm. talking about because mm-hmm. it's like the huge part of that movie is. I think that movie works at such an extremely amazing level. Not only because the structure is, you know, this haunted house film in space, the cast is really well rounded with great performances, 
but because the monster is so grounded and realistic that it yeah. fits in that quasi hard sci-fi world like yeah. you know you 100% believe that this thing could exist right and that it offers such a threat that's like it beyond its life expectancy like the move the monster itself is a threat but so many other things about what it is are, is you know a threat too like its yeah. biology is like in essence like terrifying so i love the idea of like interpreting like a monster that re- represents so much more than like this one single frightening mm-hmm. thing and it's like we're not just running from a monster we're running from this force of nature yeah but uh that uh 30 days of night was an influence on how to you know just like definitely like definitely like take characters put them in a lockdown space and like Uh offer like primordial very uh bloodlust kind of creatures you know like i feel like the vampires in that movie i remember reading the comic when it came out yeah but like the comic was so good but like the film adaptation of it in having to take those like very like uh, exaggerated Ben Temple Smith illustrations and like bring it into a real like functioning yeah. world, yeah, yeah, like they did such an amazing job of doing that, still allowing those creatures to feel like they, uh, like that they have like this ferocity to them now. Mm-hmm. And so like, that definitely was like a movie that when I was coming, out, I was like, okay. And sometimes it was more like influence wise was like just taking a piece of something, a feeling of something. Like uh, M Night Shyamalan's The Village was an influence. Yeah. And, you know, it's like don't love the movie at all. And that's the weirdest thing about <laughs> it. Like I don't love the movie, but yeah. the atmosphere and the aesthetic is incredible. Like that sure. movie is like the atmosphere of the village is like There's rich. tons of movies where like I love the atmosphere but yes. don't love the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those can have the way something makes you feel can have such a deeper impact than the way you enjoyed it I right think. right absolutely yeah and i feel like there's like an alt cut of the village that would make it so much better <laughs> yeah like honestly like i really have argued to this day i don't that, like, think the village is that bad to be quite cut. honest well he's made far worse sense yeah 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 for <laughs> sure. but, but, but like even when i saw it i'm like look i'll be honest it's not as well done as like the sixth sense but i wasn't the hugest fan of the sixth sense either like i looked Unbreakable. At, at that point, Unbreakable was probably my top, and then Sixth Sense, and then I watched Village. I'm like, you know, I once you get to the twist ending, I'm like, you know what? I kind of like the twist ending. I love that everybody on Earth has just completely ignored that Shyamalan had a movie before the Sixth Sense. Right. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. It's well, like no. It's yeah. Like, it's, it's almost like an unspoken rule that would no one speaks of his first movie. Didn't at he all. make that for Miramax? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I've never seen it, so I can't talk on it. I just know that's funny that I always forget. But I just not, found that out somewhat within the past year. That's like, oh, his first. It's movie not was like, his like trademark style. It's, yeah. It's like almost like he made the sixth sense and it was like it hit so fucking hard that that's what everyone wanted from yeah right. and i think with unbreakable it was kind of like him be like well i don't just do that i'm gonna go do this yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. know there was the twist and all that yeah. shit but i feel like unbreakable is a very different movie in a lot of I ways agree. absolutely and it is definitely my favorite of his but then you know you get to the village it's kind of like well fuck and that one didn't work so i gotta go back and do this shit again and i feel like honestly if they would had cut the bit when um she falls out onto the sidewalk and reveals that it's modern oh, times. Yeah. If they'd taken that, pushed it Spoiler. later into the movie. <laughs> I'm sorry, the movie's like 20 years old. <laughs> Spoilers for the village. Like, yeah, sorry I ruined your 24 year old movie. <laughs> but the movie's not 24. It's, I thought it came out 2000, didn't it? No. No. It's no. like The Village. Yeah, no, no, it was it, 2002. No, maybe. 2002 was Signs. 2002 no. was Signs, yeah, which means it had to be was. 2000. No, 2001. Unbreakable. 
No. No. No, no, no. Motherfucker. Oh, my God. We're arguing about M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> this is what it's come to. Welcome Unbreakable. to the M. Night Shyamalan podcast. 2004. The Jesus village. Christ. God damn. Am I right? The Signs was Signs after. Signs was before Village? Signs was not after. Oh, my Signs God. Was Signs was 2002. Yeah. I just I said that. Theater. So which one was The Village? 2004. So that was after. Yes. yes. God damn. Oh fuck. Damn. You were all alive for this. Mm. <laughs> I really. I'm the sorry. Was I before. forgot the. Sh- Let's nix this entire thing before they come I, for us. I forgot <laughs> the M Night Shyamalan uh, fucking filmography. That's I fine. apologize. Yeah, uh, well, don't ask me after that. I don't I know. I did just watch. <laughs> By the way, he he had two films, didn't he? Yeah, two films before Six Sense. Shit. Oh. So, damn. Yeah, that. Wide Awake was the one with Rosie O'Connell. Or Rosie O'Connell. <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell. Rosie O'Connell. <laughs> and then Praying with Anger was this other Were movie. they both theatrical releases? Uh, I, I doubt the first one was, but Wide Awake was. Yeah, I knew one was a theatrical thing. So anyway, yeah. TV thing. Oh, I guess I was right. Shit. Six Sense, Unbreakable, Signs, The Village... And then, yeah, Lady in the Water, and that's when yeah, that's where things <laughs> that's really started things to take start. a turn. Yeah, it's like we could argue all day long about signs, the village, and shit, but Lady in the Water has no defenders. Yeah, this is uh, not sponsored by the 2023 film <laughs> from M Night Shyamalan <laughs> called Knock at the Cabin. Uh, or old. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Any Hoosier. Uh, <laughs> anyway, move it on. Uh, so yeah, I, I I don't think that's a bad influence though. No, Be- I mean because yeah, it was a lot because he like, does do a lot of things very well. Yeah, and I mean it's the photography of the film. I didn't James Newton Howard score that. Yes. Yeah, love mm-hmm. like such a good composer. Yeah, and also obviously one that people just don't really praise enough. I think him and James Horner like always got overpassed yeah for a long time yeah and it's like it, you know james newton howard's just like honestly like Dreamcatcher, shitty movie amazing amazing score, score. yeah <laughs> can't say i've listened to just the score i don't <laughs> think i've ever listened to this score also either. a very well photographed movie too like i yeah. love the way it's shot but it's just it's not a good movie it's <laughs> such a weird movie man yeah. it's like it's got all this pedigree Shit it's on the behind honestly, the scenes. There's no fucking excuse for that movie it's to like, suck. What there's not a single thing that should make that movie suck other than that the book fucking sucked. <laughs> Do you know the Mike Flanagan story about Dreamcatcher? No. I don't well, think so. I'm not gonna repeat it here, but send me a link. No, I'll just tell you when we're done recording. Okay. Okay. Well, did you hear it on the podcast? Is there no it's not on a it's on a dead podcast because oh. one of the guys was a major creep so oh okay not plugging right. that one well fuck yeah that. don't do that yeah we don't promote that shit nope <sighs> anyway um so okay well what what are the plans with the film i mean or do you have anything else going or on do you have anything else going on what you got jeremy's what? jumping everywhere what you got boy so i mean the process you know everyone you're playing film festivals now yes that, yep. that's it's your current out stretch. on the market when does lionsgate call you no <laughs> we heard you like Wishmaster. <laughs> no, like, no we got a direct to dvd direct to dvd sequel we're, we're rebooting Wishmaster. you're like i know just the guy to help me write this <laughs> It's for it's a two B original. Yeah, I'll oh. fucking take you guys it. Fucking just sung. He'd still be happy. I just sung his tune. Like his ears perked up. He got a little bushy tail. I'm not watching any two B originals, but <laughs> I will. The, the only directive we have from two B is uh, know when the brakes are coming. 
<laughs> ad breaks. That's right. I don't know why every executive always has to have this horrible New York accent out of my you brain. You know what? I, I'm sure there's a reason. Yeah. I, I wish know. he did the, uh, I can never get their fucking names right, the Canon Films guys. Oh, Menachem uh, Golan and yeah, Yorm yeah. Lobeth. There you Some go. Some of my favorite. I kind of wish that they did like a co-production with, you know. Like De Laurentiis and like that they made like the most fucked up movie. Too ever much made. ego. Yeah, <laughs> too much they would never ego. get along. Like, could you imagine a movie? They would never by this get thing? along. Fuck no. Jesus Christ. Anyway. That would be just mad. But so Dino De Laurentiis is releasing your film. Got yeah, it. he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, but his estate. Yeah. Jesus, but. I can't book Near Dark for shit. Help oh, me, dude. <laughs> Even on that. One for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a minute. I don't know. It feels like they're starting to loosen up a little bit. You're seeing it pop up more often yeah. than you did. But uh, yeah, so the movie's, you know, it's out on its rounds for festivals, waiting to hear back. Hopefully, I'm not eating my own words and getting, you know, I've just booked one. one Hopefully, festival. this is the point in the podcast where editor Andy says, and he's just been announced. For yeah. yeah, for sure. But yeah, I mean, we could talk about Chattanooga briefly. I mean, yeah, like, let's, that's, try, like, so let's Ch- hype those motherfuckers. Chattanooga is that. a really cool film festival that, like, whenever the pandemic hit, that's when I heard about it. Because, really? yeah, I oh, mean, shit. I kind of knew about it, but I didn't really know their style. And then I, yeah. didn't, I didn't realize that, like, some of the Fantastic Fest yeah. programmers kind of went over there, too. That was around the they, time I They got I spread found, out a little bit. but Yeah, that's about the time I found them was, like, a few people who worked on the programming for Fantastic mm-hmm. Fest bounced down there and, like, helped them. And it's really funny now because, like, talking to the people at Chattanooga, like, yeah. so many of them discovered Fantastic Fest because of that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's, like, all of a sudden I'm talking to them and it's, like, you know, there was a girl that did, like, Midsummer cosplay okay. named, named Lola. And uh, we were chatting up, and her profile picture was her with the Midsummer. Oh, okay. Midsummer. Yeah, sorry, guys. Anyway, it, with oh, the whole get up, right? Well, right. I messaged her. I was like, hey, like, were you at Fantastic Fest when Ari Aster was there? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I have a photo of you talking to him in that outfit. Oh, nice. And she's oh. like, oh, my God, please send it to me. Yeah. She's like, that's the only proof that I even talked to him. It's like, <laughs> she's like, people have photos of me and they have photos of him, but they don't have photos of us talking. Oh. And she told me a really cool story about like how they came to me. But oh, that's I'll cool. save that. But yeah, it was, it was really funny. But yeah, that festival, like really, like they were growing. They were very like DIY, just bare bones yeah. like getting out there and like just booking movies they started in like 09 and chris dorch like that dude is just a real dude like i fucking yeah. love him like his programming staff are incredible and like he doesn't let like the limitations of the scope of a film well actually let me look at like say for example the other way he does he looks at the scope of the film not what the limitations are like he's looking mm, at the film yeah. are trying to accomplish mm-hmm. and not necessarily look at like the shortcomings of maybe that scene doesn't play quite as well as it could have like or maybe they didn't have the money to pull off that stunt the way they needed to and that's okay. not a death sentence for a film if not every stitch is seamed up, it's kind of like Fright Fest in the UK sure. in that sense, where sometimes some of the movies play there, they're a little rough around the yeah. edges and places. Yeah. But at the same time, like you can There's see. There's definitely like, been films where I'm like, this played Fright Fest. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And it's like one of those things where it's like, uh, but you know, but seeing the potential of the filmmaker and like, if you were to give them a $10 million budget right. and give them like some people to help make their films, like fuck, they'd be unstoppable, you know? <laughs> and that's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, Chris sees that and his team sees that. And they're really looking for movies that are trying to play bigger than their budgets. Okay. And 
they really got behind the movie. And like to your point, like when uh, Sudden Fallen Home for I guess five or six years maybe. Yeah. And uh, never submitted to him and submitted this film and they ended up selecting it and I was really fucking pumped because this is the exact type of audience you know like coming to that point that we mentioned off mic earlier like you have to think of like programming your film festival your film for a festival is like where you're going to eat like what who what who, like pretend you're the chef right and the audience mm-hmm. is like who you're serving like so you're not going to a festival or even trying to book your film on something that's just going to be tone deaf to your movie like they're you know you want to yeah. go to people who are hungry for the kind of things you make right and so i really like all my top five film festivals for like this movie was cff because I'm like, this is a crowd that will fucking get behind this movie and they will love it and they you know and that's who i made this movie for i like you know it was for me but at the end of the day now that it's out in the world it's for other people to enjoy and mm-hmm. like if I'm, you know, if somebody has like a cool like seven minutes with this little thing, then that's fucking awesome. And like, I'm so happy. Like, so many people worked on this movie, and I know a lot of people talk about that. But I think what's not often spoke of when I like go through like Letterboxd or IMDb and I see people just trashing the fuck out of like people's movies, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you know, like I can't even like fairly rate a movie <laughs> with stars anymore because like I just know like take like Miami Connection, how much goddamn work yeah it takes to even shoot a scene of a movie, you know, like the fact that like you have to r- truly raise a fucking village to make a movie, yeah, like it's super hard. So when I do see these people can pull off like it's like them and two other people, yeah, you know, which by the way like uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead's sure. uh, uh, new one, their their uh, pandemic film, yeah, yeah, something in the dirt. It's yeah. really fucking good. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, what I hear. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like way better than that type of movie. Like when you hear that, like we made it during the pandemic and three people worked on it. You know, you're like, oh, it really sets an expectation super low for the right, type of right, movie right. they yeah. were able to make with just like, well, you know, like let's have some fun. Let's come up with a crazy, wacky concept. You just expect Ty West VHS segment. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> wow. Or actually, oh, his, his ABCs of Death one was even. Oh, like, that's yeah. right. That's right. That's actually uh, the one I meant. Yeah. Okay. Because VHS one isn't that. Talk yeah. about just like, man, I do like Ty and his output, but I feel like that movie was a very low effort, you know, yeah. attempt at I, anything. I yeah. I think he ran out of time. <laughs> yeah. Ran out of time. Yeah. Ran out of money. I mean, like, I know the budgets on those were super low, but. There's just like to me, it's it's it almost five like grand. It's, yeah, it's that's so, what you had to play with. I yeah, think. but it was just so like disrespectfully lazy. Yeah, that now, I couldn't even like wrap my head around like you're gonna release that. Well, yeah. Um, so Chattanooga, did you attend physically though before? No. The pandemic? No, okay, no. So my I first year going was the first okay. year that they did the virtual pandemic, which screenings. was which was awesome. Yeah, and I remember I was up at night like watching some weird shit with their host what was a Beelzebub Mm -hmm. Uh, I always forget like if they play on the name or if it's just Beelzebub Uh, but no I was watching this I'm like man this this is kind of this nice blend of like DIY aesthetic but it also is having a lot of fun with it (coughs) so I, I was a big fan of when I saw some of the films that I got to see, I, I can't even remember, but some of them, I, I was like, yeah, these are good. And there were some that weren't so good. But I really liked like the programming. I liked some of the in-between stuff that I got to catch. And I meant to do it this year, but I did not. Oh, yeah. Just because like when you're doing the virtual festivals, now it's gotten to the point 
it's funny how like over the the course of two years they've already ironed out how they want to do festivals now and i i totally get it for piracy reasons you know these movies are only going to show on a schedule and not necessarily on demand if it was on demand like i would even possibly pay more for on demand just because like i don't know if i want to block out my schedule yeah like i got tons of shit that i need to be working on (laughs) yeah and you know like some sometimes i didn't have the motivation to do it because you know i just wasn't feeling it and then i would have watched a movie but there were times when it's like well i have shit to do and i'm motivated so i'm gonna do it and that could have ran into a time when i wanted to see something it's like well fuck so i i love the idea of virtual Festivals. I'm I'm not on board with the schedule, but I know that also has to happen. So yeah, I mean they were kind of out, you know, did like the whole like a la carte, like uh, stream at your will for yeah. most things. There's yeah, some yeah. stuff that had windows, not too much, and then there was like maybe one or two films that were strictly like this time to this time. Yeah, and, then and that's it. Off, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that'll be like the handicap for a lot of virtual versions of festivals, like mm-hmm. I, and like say like Fantastic Fest or TIFF or something that'll get these huge like Hollywood studio premieres for films. Right. There's not a chance in hell they're putting those oh, fuck online. No. Yeah. Fuck no. Well, previous, you know, we interviewed the editor of Watcher, who's mm-hmm. an right. old friend, and he gave me a screening link to the Friday premiere. Mm-hmm. At Sundance, okay. and yeah. it was live. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also like the Saturday morning at like ten a.m. And he's like, yeah. "I don't know if you really want to wake up." But no, Sunday at ten a.m. He's right, and his parents because he's like, "I don't know if this is a movie to start your day with at like ten in the morning." Yeah, um, but that kind of cripples because like he it was really last one. He's like, "Oh, do you want yeah. pass to watch this?" Yeah, it was like within was a like, couple hours, right? It was within twenty four. Yeah, because I think like I like. I was like, "Oh, do you want to come over?" He was sick, so I'm glad he didn't. Yeah, come yeah, over. yeah. yeah. Uh, I wasn't but, feeling great. Uh, it wasn't. It the was, vid, though. You know, I feel like everyone has. There's to say a possibility that, that could have not. You know, I could have not watched it. Like, yeah. I would have watched it at 10 a.m. because he's a friend, and like, yeah. I want to. Which, by the way, that episode was really good. Like, oh. you did a really good job of like researching, and you guys had some really good questions in there that. That was probably you know, all I, Andy. Andy did a good yeah. job, but yeah, you guys, you. I really enjoyed that episode. But I mean, yeah, I've had people ask me like, what if I thought the virtual version of this, like doing it completely virtually, like helped the film, and I think it did. Like, I think I for think shorts, so too. Yeah, I think for short films, it does. Like, whereas like, you know, in a traditional film festival situation like it's you know, gonna run sh- up against some other fucking for sure movie or yeah. it's put early as fuck in the morning on a yep. Sunday mm-hmm. at like like you said 10 a.m against a documentary that's probably way more interesting than like you know oh i'm gonna watch this short film block there's yeah 15 films there's a good chance nine of them are just gonna be like something i'm just not into yeah and you know that's kind of the trade-off to it and like those types of films like shorts typically don't have a budget there's a lot of argument to be made that shorts aren't worth making these days and to a point i do understand that like this film was made as like a proof of concept to like here's like what can we do Mm -hmm. with the Mm -hmm. right you know a lot of people you know (laughs) i I see people who make short films and you're like you're gonna 
that you want to make that into a feature like <laughs> right like, you know like some like weird shit that you're like okay like this lady fucks a broom for three minutes that's gonna be like that's oh is feature that the material greasy strangler that? sequel i still haven't seen that movie uh it, it's funny that you mentioned that because i think short films uh they're they're usually let's face it they're usually like calling cards to yes to somebody Often, that wants yeah. to make a movie but I do find, like, especially recently, the the art of a short film where typically its heyday is during the film festival market. Now they can just dump them on. Like, Vimeo does a really great mm-hmm. job of just highlighting Alter shorts of the week. Does shorts of, Crypt Alter TV. does Crypt TV. Uh-huh. There's, and just, like, maybe somebody made a short film and they upload it on YouTube and they post it on Reddit and it catches fire. Cool. Great. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we've seen... I think as film fans and especially genre film fans, we've seen that happen where like, you know, somebody made like Fede Alvarez. Fede Alvarez came from a short film that just spread around in like David Sandberg. Yeah, Sandberg was Uh, another one. And he's still Mike Flanagan, you know. Still making. We were talking about Sandy Calora and the Batman Alien versus Predator thing. Yeah, that guy had serious heat for about ten years after Mm -hmm. that came out. I know. For sure. Just like one project to the next. I mean, nothing coalesced, you know. But well, even more recently, and kind of on the same token, is Prey. Yeah. That's Dan yeah. Trackenberg. Yeah. You know, I yeah, mean, that, that's, yeah. It's wild. I mean, talk isn't about it? a dude who has spent a long uh-huh. time translating that short into like a career. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like he did the smart thing though and jumped on TV. Like, I know a lot of guys I who agree. it's like, yeah. Because, like, it's better to be working on something yeah. than to be sitting around yeah, waiting yeah. for anything. But I think uh, they, there's like, oh, it's always interesting with short films. And, you know, I don't, I don't mean, don't mean any disrespect, <laughs> but. Uh, All the disrespect is about to happen. No, yeah. like there are definitely some short films you Say watch and you're just ignorant. like, okay, you just wanted to make something to go to a film festival and you're living the dream right now. Cool. Great. But what are you saying with this movie? Like what, what's the story or what, what's your statement? Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that, it's not a successful short. I'm like, I'm glad you pulled together your resources financially, mentally, you know, even with your friends and made a short film. It's really cool to see a creation of that, but it also needs to mean something too. Absolutely. And it shouldn't be just like, Oh yeah, I made this movie and that's why I'm here to party and drink. Yeah. Because there is a lot of that. And I mean, that definitely is like the difference between myself at a younger age and myself now. And it isn't per se that like, you know, like, Oh, you know, hope it gets played, you know, hope it plays festivals and blah, blah. It's just, but it was like that lack of saying something. I was too afraid to say something personal. Yeah. And, you know, like once in, you know, also I think sometimes people have a hard time like putting those feelings and ideas into like, how do you translate that to an audience? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like sometimes like you watch a film like, yeah, this is about my anxiety and it's like, you know, a tentacle monster, like, you know, yeah. fucking them or something. And like, yeah, that sounds like, about right. Okay, like, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, like, that's your thing. Like, sure. The like, anxiety you know, right. is yeah. not getting fucked by yeah. that. Oh. I got super high and, you know, like, you know. But it, uh, speaking of tentacle monsters, there is a great fucking short film oh, called boy. Sucker that uh, okay. Alex Austin, this girl in England, made. And it is not what I just described. It is so much better than that. <laughs> There's quite okay. a few, you know, that is the cool thing about shorts today is like, I think you could put a better polish on them. Not that that makes a movie better per se, right. but I think from a technical point of view, 
it's a lot easier to produce a film than it used to be. Oh yeah, for sure. And I recently just heard a producer talking about now this I don't entirely agree with, you know, where I sat on this fence, but was talking about why the push from practical effects has happened over the last twenty years. And they said something that was like fucking profound to me and like I was like, God damn, I was like, that is a fuck that's a hard one to argue. Which are like money for films is spent on production days. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Pre-production, post-production, don't touch the cost of a production day. And they're like, you know, they said practical effects takes a long time to do. Yeah. And you don't get a lot of time with it. So it adds more days to your shoot. So to push the CG is that you can just pick that up later. Yeah. And that you don't have to spend as much time, like, dealing with, like, maybe you get half a day shooting your actor because they were in makeup for 12 hours. Mm-hmm. You know, like that kind of stuff. And I'm like, fuck, that's goddamn, that's a hard one to fight. But but it also exposes a problem that, you know, I, I know about, I'm sure you know about with like, you know, the, the visual effects companies that like Marvel, which is number one fucking studio right now to employ these visual effects artists, they don't pay as much as they probably should. No. But the no. fact that they're working on a Marvel movie boosts up their resume so yeah. they do it even though like their whole visual effects house is like yeah if we just stick with this we have guaranteed work for X amount of time as long as we do a good job and don't shit the bed. Yeah and the wildest thing compared to like in our youth when CG was really first starting to come to be or like Weta yeah. or any of those is like Weta. Weta. whenever we were uh, younger like that studio would handle all of those effects for sure and so because of that i always felt like films like lord of the rings or something were a lot more holistic yeah yeah, like you watch it in the visual language of the whole film even the cg everything felt like everything belonged together in house yeah yeah. and then now you watch something like marvel and you'll see you know those final credits you'll see like fucking 60 different effects yeah yeah Yeah. and it's like so you'll see shots where it's like super inconsistent like iron man standing still his suits fucking gorgeously rendered yeah never you know i mean the first time they did a full cg suit i didn't even know it was a cg suit right oh yeah and you're like watching behind the scenes i'm like fuck what the fuck yeah this is wild but it also makes sense because it's probably a lot more practical to render a cg version of that suit than to have a practical one right yeah and i understand that like you're not dealing with flesh yeah robocop is a fucking primo example of where that can become a problem it's like a person could be a monster but a robot's a much harder thing to do but then you now you watch them and you'll see like you know, his suit looks fine when he's standing, but now he's flying and it looks like bullshit. And then, like, he punches this guy. The punch looks fine, but the monster looks like shit. Yeah. And it's, like, it's strange because, like, you could almost piecemeal the entire project as you're watching it. And you can almost kind of tell who yeah. did what. Oh, 60 effects studios worked yeah. on this? No shit. Yeah, and it's so fucking weird that, like, sometimes it's, like, the suit renders these people and then the reflections on everything right. are these guys. And I'm, like, this just seems like such a strange way to make a movie that it's all, like, this giant series of people like you know farming the film together mm-hmm. i don't know if that's the best way maybe it is i'm not sure and yeah i mean not that the, there's also like to even circle back on the revisionist history if if the studios have it their way they can make these films not release a physical copy and just keep fucking polishing mm-hmm. like Forever in perpetuity. Imagine that's 2022 and you're still cleaning up Iron yeah. Man too. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, like goddamn. You get to the to point where that. it's been a lot of people years. didn't like Iron Man three. Let's just make a completely different. Let's just movie. cut out the whole middle, change this. Yeah, it's such a strange thing. I, it's like I don't know that. Like I can't speak for uh, what future me would feel like. 
but I just know myself that I wouldn't really, I don't know that I'd ever want to go back and right. fuck with my movies. Like, no. you know, I look at stuff I made, you know, it's like hilarious that sometimes I've made stuff that I'm like, man, that was really good. I'm really proud of how that turned out. And, you know, we were talking about it off mic earlier that I feel like there's a good, like, five to seven years after you make something mm-hmm. before you can kind of watch it just a little more neutrally. Because, like, there's so much distance that, like, you no longer, like, pick it apart the same way you did, like, right after you make it. Like, anytime I watch something I make that's relatively recent, it's like I can't stop thinking about all the fucking flaws in it. Hopefully, what happened to the others pops up on YouTube or Vimeo sometime in the near future so everybody else can see it, dog. Definitely. I mean, yeah, it's like I'm considering, like, what... uh like perhaps like local screenings or something but it's like i don't feel like putting the movie out by itself is enough like you know yeah i mean you could always you could do the short film block at like st louis international film festival that's kind of what i'm looking at like if there's not something between now and next year at this time that i'll probably do my best to try and right get it there so locally that people can see it and you know come check out other good movies hopefully i don't know what the block will look like at that time next year but you know hopefully they end up having a good robust selection of films and that one is for my coworker who will appreciate my usage of robust mm. <laughs> oh. wish granted cool well if it uh, gets put online we will definitely link it up and post about it on destroy the brain so keep tuned stay tuned well, keep tuned you sign out f- come on sign out better than that keep tuned keep yeah do you want to mention any tuned? fucking events we have coming oh, up oh yeah yeah, yeah. Fuck. Hey everybody, it's post-recording Andy. Just coming in here because when we recorded this, it was two weeks prior to our July show, so obviously we're promoting the July shows, which are already in the past. So here I am, post-Andy, recording this to let you know about our true upcoming events by the time this is uh, released. So our next Late Night Grindhouse show, so our Late Night Grindhouse show for August is The Burning, a summer slasher film from 1981 that, yes, is a repeat for those of you that have been with the Late Night Grindhouse program for the 12 plus years in its existence. We showed it back at the high point in 2013 per Alan Morlock on Twitter. Um, yeah, we think nine to 10 years is a good amount of time to pass and possibly do some repeats, which leads us to our September show. I will not announce the title just yet, just because it hasn't been finalized in its booking, but keep the dates, the 16th and 17th of September open. That will be your late night grindhouse weekend. And then in October, We have October 14th and 15th. I haven't really told anybody this, so if you listen to this podcast, you get an exclusive. October 14th and 15th will be your October Late Night Grindhouse show, and we will be showing Lucio Fulci's Zombie via 4K DCP. So I am super excited about that. The last time we showed that was, I believe, in 2011. So it's been a minute 2011 or 2012 i can't remember which and then following our october late night grindhouse show on the 21st of october will be our final horror trivia night of the year at the heavy anchor uh tickets are ten dollars per team and you can go to horrortrivianight.com right now and register and uh we're gonna have 
dead giveaways posted out on our social media, so you won't miss that. And it will also help you with the game if you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. It's something we did where we would post the question and answer on our social media pages through Twitter, Instagram, all that jazz, which you'll get all the handles for in a minute. This is going on way too long, but uh, registration is open at HorrorTriviaNight.com. And uh, if your whole team comes in a costume, you get 100 points right off the bat, so you don't need to know dick. You'll end with 100 points at the very least. Okay, I think that's enough now, so take it over, pre- Andy? Oh. Where can people find you on the internet, Jeremy? Uh, I am at Doug's favorite uh, Instagram account, apparently, vaccinated at Camp Blood. Do you know uh, this post is about COVID-19? I know. Uh, every time. It happens. Even if like you're a screenshot buried, like, I don't even, like, there was something you did. I don't remember. I know. Like, there was something recently where, like, you it's were one fucking, of those. I was like, what the fuck are they flying I don't know. For? I, I don't know. It's just like, because he's got vaccinated in his Yeah. Game. It's literally that. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't well, know yeah, what to change it. But it's I the same reason hashtag so, horror doesn't work. If you, uh. Yeah, that's true. Well, so if you have a better idea for my Instagram handle, let me know. Uh, I'm on Letterboxd at jbonesy. Also on Twitter, the same thing, but I don't really do shit on Twitter. Oh, all right. Guess Twitter's stupid. Dougie Dougie Fresh. You could follow me at Douglas Wicker on Twitter, Instagram. You find me on Facebook and Letterboxd. And through there, you'll also be able to keep up with what's going on with the film or any other future projects I have going on. And, uh, yeah, thanks for do having me on today, plug guys. the account for... That? Oh, the search party picks? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's still in its infancy, and I feel like I don't have enough to post. <laughs> oh, I, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, I'm just yeah, trying yeah. to look, look out for you. Spot, Jeremy, so, geez. God. Yeah, um, on Twitter, it's search party pictures, and on Instagram, it's search party picks. Don't you we have hate a Facebook that? account. Yeah, I hate insane. when you can't have the same thing on all of yeah, them. Yeah, I, I love it when I had it all cohesive, and then oh. Twitter fucked me. Twitter did fuck you. Yeah, that yeah was not it did. Fair. It was great. Speaking of which, you can find Destroy the Brain as a collective on Twitter at DTB Horror, but on Instagram at Destroy the Brain. On Facebook, facebook.com slash destroy the brain. And more importantly, join our Discord, discord.destroythebrain.com. Uh, Doug, it's been wonderful. It's been wonderful having you guys. <laughs> I love just talking here. shop. Having you, having you. I think uh, I think we need to just do a series where we just bring people in and interview them and talk about movies. So I maybe, would love that. wow, maybe who would have thought? Maybe that's what we should do. Is like the guest picks the movie. So maybe we can Ooh. have you back Ooh. on. Oh, I would be into that. Okay, but All it has right. to be ticks. No, I'm just <laughs> it has to be dead heat and ticks. All right, gang. Hopefully, we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Adios.